After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome back, Flyers Nitty Gritty fans, to Getting Gritty With It with your host, Steve Wallach, my partner in crime, Vasily Gianna Rocco's, for another episode. Welcome back, my friend. How are you doing? Uh, doing good, Yareev. I'm excited for this one. we got a great guest, and uh, we're going to dive into some you know, 2023 NHL draft talk. So where the Flyers are at in the standings right now, it's uh, important you know, we get that information uh, from the one and only uh, Steve Cornianos, right? Yeah, well, yeah, and welcome to the show, Steve Cornianos. Welcome back, the draft analyst. How you What's doing, up, buddy? guys? How, how, how are you doing? Thank you for having me on. Uh, you know, this is always something I look forward to, always. Every single one we've done. And yeah. actually, you know what's funny, too, is I go back and I, I watch him again. Not because I'm like an egomaniac who loves looking at myself, but I like the information. Like, what we talk about is freaking relevant. In some cases, it's prophetic. Uh, so... Yeah, this is this is easily uh, the, my favorite podcast that I've done. And all the ones I've done, this is my favorite one. Dude, and I'm not trying is... to diss the other ones because I have a lot of fun with them too. But you guys easily, you know, that is that is such an honor to hear, man. Really appreciate. No, it. we, seriously, we get like, so we do, jacked we, we, up. You know, you know, two of that. We could do this six hours if we could. Yeah. <laughs> um. You know. At, for, like I said, for me, it's awesome because I just started off listening to you. Like I was just looking for draft content and I was just I like fell in love with listening to you just rant. I'm like, I love the way this guy could just talk. And rant. Did, yes, there is ranting. There's ranting yes. and there's, there's cursing and there's like, it's, yes. it's, it's That's the fun yeah, it, but like you said, like a lot of your stuff is just it's packed with information. Like if, if somebody sits down and listens to your content, like the like you'll have history, recent content, you'll talk about play, you'll, you'll talk about comparisons, you'll talk about the business end, the financial end, the, the training port, you will add all of that perspective in just talking about one single topic. And that's one of my favorites. So for yeah. me, it's an honor to have you on here. Well, thank you. Uh, likewise, likewise. You know, I mean, uh, you know, they, they, listen, it's the information, we've been in the information age. So it's like, you know, fans have so many options right they could go there's like how many flies podcasts are there and vlogs mm -hmm. and you know the twitter accounts and message boards and like you know fan pages and so like like you know i feel like if i'm gonna do it then I, then and this is why i come on here is because i know that we all put the time in we all do the research we all you know make this a priority it's this isn't like a uh you know i know it might be like a feel like a hobby sometimes because we have so much fun doing it but uh, like this is, you know, this is exactly what I 
I'd rather be doing than anything else. So I, 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 I'm honest when I say that, like talking hockey with people that love it as, as much as I love it, uh, is, is the reason why I do it. You know what I mean? It's just so much fun. It's the best. And yeah, we appreciate you coming on. I feel, I feel yep. very similar way. Obviously, I don't want to speak for you, but um, yeah, hundred percent. Same thing, right? Yeah. Like we all love to talk hockey and that's the reason what we're here, right? To mainly talk hockey and just talk about the sport that we love. I mean, obviously. That's I mean, it. It's a borderline obsession. Like, you know, I'll find myself <laughs> like during the day, just sitting there thinking about UFAs, you know, as if it's like yeah, my yeah. job, you know, I'm yeah. like, Oh, who's available this off season. Let me run the numbers. And it's like, it's, you Let know, crunch cap, it down friendly. Cap, cap, cap friendly is the heroin of, Oh uh, yeah. It's, it's like, it's the best. you could just get lost. Yeah, especially with the armchair like GM tools stuff. It's like one of like many websites too, like that you just, you know, like you know what I'm like. I'm just gonna lay in bed and study hockey for like the next five hours, and especially if like you're debating someone and you want to be right, like you're like, oh, they don't know this. Yeah, like then that's what happened with my rankings with the draft. Is like I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna spend a day on it. I'm just going to write little blurbs. And meanwhile, I'm like, no, I have to find out like X, Y, Z about, you know, so it's fun. Like yeah. I said, it's fun. Well, and, and let's, you know, I guess give, give people a little preview of what we're going to be talking about. We'll talk about a little bit of the Flyers, uh, you know, current situation. Then we'll go into um, some Flyers prospect talks. For those who are not aware, that is what Steve does best that's what the draft analyst is and obviously you should be able to tell by the name definitely uh check out his content his podcast i think you're still running a site are you still doing that substack though it moved to substack.substack.com so if you go to the draftanalyst.com that's for like historical purposes 2000 and i noticed you know, that draft to 2021 draft yep but everything from on 22 but everything from 23 onward is on substack okay great Good to know. So for those who are not aware, that's Steve's, uh, I guess, specialty. Um, and <laughs> so we're going to talk about Flyers prospects and then we'll just get into the draft and we'll talk, you know, we'll focus on the top 10 guys, early risers, but we'll get into the fun stuff. Flyers don't even have a second round pick at this point. Um, so, you know, if we want to talk third round, you know, that might be less sexy, but maybe there's a couple, uh, you know, hidden gems. I In those situations, I always think it's like, what's going to fall, you know? Um but we'll see. So let, let's get right off the bat. So the Flyers actually just lost a tough game uh, to the Tampa Bay Lightning 5-2, to two, a game where, um, quite frankly, I think they were a little bit of ex- expected to lose this one. Tampa put on maybe their worst performance of the, of the past few seasons um, against the Carolina Hurricanes. I think that the only team <laughs> did not have a shot on net, which is like crazy to think about that Tampa Bay would go through that. So um, you know, you show up to this game, the Flyers are already kind of reeling, they're missing a bunch of talent. Um, and they're also, you know, kind of lost probably some momentum here. Um, as things haven't been great of late, just you know, the things around the team with the trade deadline and everything. Um, you know, it didn't have a bunch of gusto. They played, you know, they played decent actually, they didn't play the worst hockey, uh, but the game got away from them at one point. Um, and they had to kind of battle to keep it relevant. Uh, Vasily, I'll go to you first, and then we'll we'll let Steve dig in. But um, anything you want to add to the the breakdown of you know the five two loss? Yeah, so I mean they kind of kept pace with the Lightning in the first period, um, and then from there it kind of unravels for uh, you know for them in the second. And it's really just a lack of discipline, right? They 
take a bunch of penalties. And when you take a bunch of penalties against a Tampa Bay team that has such a great power play as they do, they're obviously going to burn you. And I mean, the main factor is uh, Nikita Kucherov, right? He gets three points on the power play. That's two goals, one assist. And uh, he essentially really starts off kind of the turn in the other way of the game uh, for them at the beginning of the second. And then from there, um, I do give the Flyers credit. Like they don't let it turn into a blowout and they do kind of make it competitive in the third uh, basically keep it 4-2 for most of the game to that late uh, 5-2 goal there. Um, and then I guess the main storylines really is Joel Farabee getting benched in the second period along with uh, Travis Sanheim. Then they do come back to play uh, in the third there. And I thought Farabee actually had a pretty good game despite getting benched. I mean, he, he had an assist and he looked fiery out there. Uh, and aside from Farabee, I would say, you know, Frost and Tippett were probably the standouts for the Flyers. That They were a line in general, and they were probably the best line uh, in the game. And they've been the Flyers' best line, I think, the past handful of games. So I guess it's a good thing. Even in a loss, you see the younger guys kind of play pretty well. Um, so that was my thoughts anyway. Yeah, no, uh, really well stated there. I think the, the theme overall I saw in that game is just a less disciplined game than the Flyers have been playing all year. Just penalties, the... Um, you know, the benchings and coinciding with Farabee, you know, with a retaliatory move, then D'Angelo with the retaliatory move. It just, you know, almost like he, he maybe lost him for a night. At least it felt that way a little bit. Steve, um, I'm not sure if you had a chance to check that game out, but maybe just your your tone on the Flyers' uh, current situation. And, you know, they're in a little bit of a losing skid here. Yeah, and, what's, and it's not like they could blame selling off at the deadline, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's basically like, you know, pretty much, um, you know, the, the lineup has been okay health-wise, you know, outside of the, the main guns that uh, yeah. you, know, you lost in the beginning of the season. But um, TK well, I, as well. Recently, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I saw the uh, the spear, though. Um, yeah. And so at first I'm like, oh, horrible. But then I saw who he did it to. I'm like, there's got to be a reason why. So, and again, I'm not justifying it. He deserves it. He's, he's going to get it. Um, he's going to get the book thrown out, and he should. He got two uh, games is... announced earlier today. Yeah, two oh. game suspension. Oh, that's actually not that bad. <laughs> no, I thought it would be more, which is kind of surprising for what he did. But only Between phone the, hearing. The... After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours. The energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. It's true that some things change as we get older, but if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause, and MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com.
between the uh, the the Austin Watson flying elbow that that got went unpenalized to the um, you know I guess this and that was bad. Dude, he speared the guy and he went looking like, for him too. Like he wasn't really yeah, like it was with a, him, and yeah. then he's just like, yep, let me dig in. But uh, but no, to to answer your question about the like the the um, the, uh, the losing ways, I think we talked about it. Remember how you you work hard and you want to outplay people, and even though you don't have a lot of talent, and, and that's reflective in the in the goal scoring, uh, that you'll still outwork everybody. You know, to do that to sustain that over a full eighty two, especially when you fall out of a playoff spot. And the teams ahead of you go out and they're busy at the deadline. They're buying, right? The Devils bought, the the the, the Sabres bought, the, the Senators bought. And so technically, like, even though they're not eliminated officially, I think if they were still in the mix, uh, you 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 could maybe stomach a loss like that to Tampa, considering, like you said, Tampa was playing terribly and they would do. Uh, and I guess maybe a little disappointing for Flyers fans because they're losing. The losing like seems to be like er, for most of the season when they lost, it was close. They, they gave a great effort, but they, they've been on the the wrong end of some bad losses. And so maybe it's like flashbacks. You know, it's uh, last. That's yeah. a good point. That's a good point because last year there's a lot of blowouts. And you're right, Steve. Like most of the season, it's been a lot of close losses. I would say so. I think yeah, like, like with ten, ten overtime. Or was it is it one in ten in overtime? Yeah, exactly. uh, where if you if you if you could just let's say be five hundred like a normal team would be, you're in the playoff you mix. Could. Pretty much, you're, you're, you, that's four extra points or five extra points. Um, and you you might consider like, okay, well, I want to go to the game, you know, because I'm a fan. I want to spend my money uh, because they, they, it'll be competitive. And they've been, but listen, you know, you also got so many kids playing too. So yeah. like, those kids aren't used to playing. You know, it's 82 game schedules. This is the first time, I think, for like a lot of guys, right? Frost, first time. Tip it uh, as well. Tip it, yeah. Uh, Allison, Kate. is he still out? Allison, still- yeah, Kate. Uh, Kate, yeah, Kate. Cam so, York, uh, technically, as well. Yeah, so, so there's a lot of factors involved, but, you know, I don't know if it's going to continue for the next 10 games. You know how I feel. If my team's out, I'm not going to play that. Well, I'm a fan. I want them to win. I want them to lose. <laughs> I want them to get the higher draft position. Yep. But then again, we could talk about with the draft how this is a really deep draft. So, you know, if you if you want to get the best shot at Bedard, fine. But I, you know, you're going to walk away. Picking anywhere in the top ten, you're pretty well. Yeah, off, exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I and I think that Flyer fans need to hear that because if you listen to the messaging and. Let's be honest here. Majority of people who are Flyers bloggers, not a knock, this is us included. They are not draft experts. They are not experts on prospects. They're not looking. So like when you hear that you're not part of the Bedard conversation, it's understandable that people are just pissed right off the bat. But they need to hear that there are potential star players throughout here. I know Bedard comes out of the box, you know, generational, maybe another McDavid type of guy. But uh, again, that's not the only piece you need. And not everybody. Well, gets not, look at 1991. Great example, right? Eric Lindros goes first overall because Quebec stunk and there was no competition for that. The Flyers did not make the playoffs for the second year in a row, I think. They have to go into the conference finals and everyone's mad and they get the sixth round pick or the sixth overall pick and it's freaking Peter Forsberg. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so that's why it's, it's I'm not saying, actually, I, I think that this draft is probably deeper than 91, a lot deeper than 91. Uh, but that's just one example of like, oh, uh, what could happen? Exactly. 
And so, you know, of course, they got traded for one another. That's not the story. But still. What a great uh, preview for the draft preview yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, later. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, no, that's, that's great to hear. But so so let's let's bring it back to something that um, Vasily was talking about. So Farabee is considered to be having uh, a down year. And he is. Yes. St- statistically, he is. You know, it makes sense. Slow start, yeah. Yeah, and again, he, he pretty much had this surgery, the serious surgery, and then just started his season. Um, But he's doing about the same that the other young guys are. I mean, give or take a few points. He's been a little cold, but he's been playing better of late. But him and Sandheim were benched. Sandheim also, similar type of season, had, you know, maybe his best season as a flyer last year, gets this big contract, and this year struggles. Now, that is, to me, relatively common. I'm not yes. freaking out about it. I'm not sitting here going Sandheim is a blown asset. I don't know what value. Like, I don't see any of that. Um, I just see him kind of being pushed and him not having the best season. But, Steve, I want to go to you first on this. You know, you, you said yes immediately. Like, when you look at somebody like Travis Sandheim, obviously you've seen him definitely from a distance for several years. I know you followed him in juniors and whatnot. Um, you know, what do you think about him signing this big contract, now kind of struggling a little bit? Um, but obviously still playing – consistently the number three number two defenseman uh on this defense he's definitely like i haven't watched like i haven't watched him every game like you guys yeah but i noticed that when the fly is first of all i was watching the flies in the beginning of the season because i wanted to see how immediate if there would be an impact if it was going to be immediate and that, that was from the coaching change and that then when the flies every time i would look up the flies were either in a close game or winning a close game which is what they did not do uh, the year before, the the two years, the, really Absolutely. any of the two seasons prior. So I, Sanheim was like, oh, okay, all right. Uh, I said he's he's never going to be who we thought he was going to be. But, and that was like the, the whole thing, like with the size and the hands, uh, like you, you felt like he had something. He could be a 40-point guy or a 45-point guy. How, how come we're never going to see it? And uh it's always been consistency so the few times i've watched him you know turnovers uh you know the, the you want him to be like a take charge number one guy even though he's not nominally that you want him to at least challenge someone to be that guy and when they gave him the extension i'm like all right but he really hasn't been consistent at all in his entire career so like it's not like he was like a, a lindholm or like an Ekholm, right? You know, mm-hmm. those two guys, I think a consistency is like, it's just night in, night out, same thing. Doesn't have to score, but night in, night out, you know you're getting defensively, you know you're getting breakouts, penalty kill, et cetera. And Sanheim, you know, you, sometimes you're like, why? Well, right, what are we, we going to get tonight? And, you know? Yeah, and I, I think he's one of those guys where if I'm Chuck Fletcher, he's actually a guy I'm looking to trade secretly. Like, I'm not publicizing it. But he's a guy, he has a no-trade clause kicking in. It doesn't mean if he's on this team, it is a problem next year. But I have a hole down the middle of my team, quite a big one. I don't know when Sean Couturier is coming back. And I look at that guy, and I get I get why they gave him the, the term and the money. I think they paid him a little bit too much. But at the same time, uh, they locked up a guy who they know for sure that they even if they needed to move him later, he's always kind of a movable piece. He's a guy who can definitely play in your middle pairing. So... I think if you're looking to move somebody, that might be a sneaky pick. But I expect a guy like this to rebound. Like I, yeah. I think the the Flyers expected from him, um, and I, I actually think that Tortorella is probably be, being you know relatively hard on him right now. Uh, and I think he kind of needs that. Um, 
I don't want to say he's soft because I don't really believe in that, but he's no. a guy. He's he's a guy who's always wavered depending on his confidence, and I think he needs to grow out of that. He's now twenty six years old. Yeah, now he has to get to the point where no matter what the coach says to him. <laughs> He, he has to get a little bit more of that Provrov in him where he doesn't really care what goes on around him. He shows up with the most consistent game every single day. He's the only defenseman on the Flyers who's able to do that, um, to be consistent from game to game. I think Sanheim needs to get a little bit more mentally tough. And, you know, maybe this will pay. He's never really been benched, quite frankly, on the Flyers. Never no, will afford to do it. Vasily, you want to chime yeah, in? Yeah, I just think it's really more the consistency thing with Sanheim, obviously. And it's kind of a season-to-season thing because you see last year he has his best season. Uh, the season before that, he didn't really have the greatest season. But then the season before that where he played with Provorov and it was kind of a mess of a year, um, you know, they played a lot better uh, and he played a lot better in general, right? So it's kind of just been an up-and-down almost like trajectory of his career. So I kind of do think that from Tortorella's perspective and the coaching staff, they're saying like, well, we've seen you do it in the past, so we're going to push you now to get it all the time because we know that you can be better. Um, So we want to see the consistency come out of your game, right? And that's something that obviously has not been there. So I think from that situation, I mean, the team has to kind of look at it and say, well, if he can't be consistent, we're paying him this much money. We have to probably look at potentially moving him if, you know, um, we're going to allocate this much money to a defenseman when we have holes in other places. So it's definitely an interesting situation for him and the contract going forward. So I'm kind of interested to see how it plays out. But from, I mean, his perspective the rest of the season, I'm wondering if he could just cement himself as being a constant in the lineup because the last couple of weeks he's getting scratched. He's getting benched in one period. And I guess Tortorella in his press conference is saying, well, we're just trying to get a reaction out of some of these guys. So I think that's kind of directed to Sandheim, really. Yeah. Like, I, I think people underestimate anger. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. A new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code program. Um, yeah, for sure. I think they think that like, oh, you're going to make the player. Like everybody keeps referring to uh, how the the modern player of today. I, I noticed this stuff like, oh, you got to talk to people differently than you did. Look, to some degree, that is true. Um, but that's because communication has evolved like yeah. The knowledge around it has evolved. Like you can get more, you know, you learn certain things. But no doubt about it, they're challenging him. And I think they should because they're well, paying him all this money to be 
like a, a pretty good defenseman for them, and he hasn't been that yet. So. Well, th- and that's kind of what I want to say. That that is that is not going away. Like mm-hmm. that aspect of human beings is not going away. That they need to be pushed and challenged. And again, like, can you utilize his anger? Like he did get benched in front in a hometown game. He thought he was going to play. Like these, I remember everybody cried about Cam York how upset he was and how he had such a bad attitude after I was like, he's supposed to be pissed. It worked for the better. Yeah. I was like, why is it a big deal that he's angry? Let him eat it. Let him think about it and let him use it against competitive players. Right. Like if if you bench a guy and he isn't angry, isn't that saying more actually about him right in a negative way. Right. So, yeah. Um, Steve, what do you think about that? Um, kind of what I'm saying there, you know, I know you've been watching the game for a long time. Like, have you ever seen like these benchings kind of? Yeah, it's 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 these players are proud. They yeah. don't like being benched. They've been the number one thing about it, to be yes. a, a top guy in the NHL. It is just implied that okay. they were the top guy every year Everywhere. of their lives playing yes. in hockey. That yes. you know we see guys that will be the top guy all the way up to the AHL level. And when they get to the NHL, that's it. Like they, they're now a checker, and that's what they're going to be known as. The poor guy's like, "Hey, I was a sixty goal scorer." Hey, no, uh, but the guys that make it to the NHL and and stick, like they have a responsibility. It's leadership. Like you have to lead by examples. You, you know, you could give us as many speeches as you want, but if you're one of the more the high paid plays in the team and you're in that locker room and there are young kids who are probably friends and they're not hanging out with the older guys. When they go out to eat afterwards, they're all like, I can't believe that freaking dude makes eight times uh, more than you. And you're, you're 10 times the defenseman that he is. Sometimes these conversations are said, if it's a close knit team and they all love each other, then you don't have to worry about that stuff. So yes, absolutely. Like the, the players have to be held accountable. I mean, freaking Cooper just benched. You talk about the Lightning. He yeah. benched Kucherov and Stamkos and Point. Basically, all main three of the factors. top ten plays in the game, maybe yeah. top fifteen plays in the game. Key factors of their cup wins. Yeah, and, and they exactly. It. Well, you know what? You know what bothers me is that people only focus on the immediate in that. Yeah. They only go, "Oh, he lost the game. He lost that game, and the next game they didn't show up too." But like they're like, oh, did he make the right move? It's like most of the results of most of this stuff is going to take a lot longer than a week, a day, a game. Exactly. Yeah. It's like this is like they're about to go for a playoff run. He's doing it now. He's planting the seeds, basically. And here's the thing with Tortorella. So obviously, as a Ranger fan, like he was, he was my team's coach, and they had they they had success they had success with him. So. Like he benched everybody. He literally benched everybody. Okay. It's it's just who he is. And the, and every player who's played for him outside of the one or two who are still like, you know, uh upset about it, they'll say, like Kim Atkinson was like the first guy to come out and say it was like, hey, listen, this is how, but like he's he gets results. And that was the intent in hiring him is to is to fix things or stop the bleeding and you know. Part of that process, if you are a Flyers fan and you're like, you know, you can't be a hypocrite. You can't say for five years, play the kids, play the kids, play the kids. And they play the kids and they're like, oh, they're not that good. They're not yeah. that good. Like, you know, you, yes. wanted, to, you exactly. wanted to play the kids and the kids are actually pretty good. I know. We're seeing, that, we're seeing that now. So with that, when you have kids outplaying the veterans, you know what I mean? To, to a degree, 
sometimes like, you know, over long stretches that that veteran has to have some pride and say, All right, I can't let this happen. This kid's on a freaking ELC. And and even though I'm getting more minutes and listen, you know, Ted Lasso is a, is a great show. And I hate to use like something Hollywood to compare to real life with what's going on with the Flyers. But that locker room dynamic, I, I think, is pretty is pretty close, like where just because we're from the same country doesn't mean we have to like each other. There's going to be infighting and problems. And so I think what Torts does, I'm being honest with you. I think it's kind of like it's a a formal leadership that is proven to be effective where you make everybody hate you. So they rally together to prove you prove you wrong. Exactly. And and so like torts is fair. Okay, he's not unfair. A lot of coaches, they're unfair. They will not bench a veteran, but they will bench the kid 50 times a, a week. Yeah. That what Torts does is he does this. He just waits. I bet he has like a freaking spreadsheet in his office somewhere. And he's like, all right, whose turn is it next week? All right. Oh, Hayes. Oh, he'll turn the puck over. All right. He's going to get a benching. Because, again, it's, it's, to, it's to understand. Because with a bench, usually comes what? A meeting. A yeah. discussion. Not at the moment. He'll just bench and say, we'll talk later, but you're not playing. Okay, and the you know, play is cursing him under his breath, and he's like, I "Can't believe he's doing this to me. He's going to be all over freaking social media." Torch is like, "I don't care. I got to focus on the game." They have the meeting afterwards. Torch basically, he's the kind of coach where he will give them a plan and say, "This is what you need to do better. You're going to spend an extra hour with the video coach now. We're going to spend extra time after practice, so on and so forth." And it's the suck, and every player who's played for him at one point or another goes through it. So. You know, next year is going to be more telling record-wise. But I don't know. As an outside observer who was really – I want to say – I mean, I was embarrassed because I'm not a fan. But no, we talked as a about it on here. Fan, yeah. I, I was like – it was really embarrassing what you saw from the Flyers under, uh, you know, Yo and Vino. And I'm not blaming those two guys necessarily, but we like to get blown I blame out Vino. Not I blame, yet. I blame <laughs> yeah. Vino. But but you didn't. The flies are not an embarrassment this year. Like they they, they yeah. came to play. They scored big wins. They beat good teams. They're they, competitive they held, in almost every well, not almost every game. But like like you're saying, mostly their games this season have been very close, which is telling compared to last season, where it's the complete yeah. opposite. Right? It's and, a ta- it's a clear talent issue now. The yeah. issue is not effort. The exactly. Issue is not is not uh, goaltending. The and the, the issue isn't tact uh, tactics either. It's personnel. Well, like yeah. your top line is like Kevin they Hayes some, and, and they yeah. top line guys for sure. Yeah. Well, not it, necessarily it, right away. Yeah. This is something that we have to discuss is because it's a big market. Yeah, it's a demanding exactly. fan base. It's a fan base that's used to winning or has one seen winning before. And I say winning in terms of like just being contenders every year. So this is a, could be a dangerous area because, you know, look at New Jersey, look at the ranges, Look at Ottawa and Detroit, and and they started their rebuilds before you guys. So you have to accept it. Well, maybe not the Devils, but uh, so but no, the Devils did. So yeah. you have to uh, say what is what is this going to happen? What's what's our long term plan going to be? And part of that is, and if Torts is in this for the long haul, and I think he is, I think you might get like you know more of this. You're going to get guys getting bench then it's not a big freaking deal it's if the guy was like so terrible all the whole season yeah you're benched you're a fourth liner now and we're going to replace you 
But one game at a t- here, one game there, it's not the end of the world. It's part of the sport. Yeah. You know, not everyone is going to be like, you know, freaking uh, you know, Joel Embiid or, uh, you know, you know, Jalen Hurts, like where everything they do, they just anything they do, they, you know, it's the Midas touch. Everything turns to gold. Uh, you can, especially and even that doesn't like, always last. Yeah. With, with a certain player. And and the reason I say that I think it's AV's fault is is to go back to what you're saying. AV had more talent and it got worse results and things got worse under him. Yeah. Now, maybe something happened. I don't know if it's all his fault. Look, I, I was never a Michael Terrian fan. Anybody who listens to this for a while knows that. <laughs> I don't think anybody's like ever been a fan of his support. <laughs> That's the guy. thing. I did not like him and the fact that they were friends. Like, I just look at the energy of that locker room and it disappeared. I think Tortorella would have got a lot more out of that group. They probably would have got them into the playoffs. And sure. I think mean, now it is a clear cut talent issue, especially without a number one center. Like you said, this team is pretty much run by the young guys on it. Um, and I, I include Konechny in that. A lot of the like the guys in their mid-20s and up, you know, outside of Konechny, they're not the most effective players offensively. Um, Kevin Hayes is having an offensive year, but has been worse defensively than he's ever been. Um, yeah. So at the same time, like, I kind of get that. I like the Torts is pushing it. That's how I saw this season to begin with. Take all the assets you have, push them, and make them more valuable. You have... Yeah. Drop their value and this team's yeah. value around the entire league where it looks like we produce bad players. Now, all of a sudden, we have Noah Cates, who looks like the second coming of Sean Couture, at least defensively. Like We have guys who can stick out. Morgan Frost, all of a sudden, is relevant again. Like I think this is really was the goal. And a yeah, lot of you want to raise some of your assets and their value. Right? Oh, go ahead. But it wasn't, it's not even just that, too. It's also like you have a new guy coming in, a new coach coming in. And unless the GM is like, hey, I'm going to save you the, the trouble. I'm getting rid of everybody. I'm bringing in all new guys, and you're going to have input. Torts is the kind of guy, Every if you look at when he went from an assistant coach of the Rangers to Tampa Bay, from uh, you know being in TSN studio to the Rangers midseason, from uh, going to Vancouver, uh, then going to uh, Columbus. Like, when he takes over, they don't make wholesale lineup changes. He says, let me see what I could get out of this group. Give me the group, okay? And let me see what I could mold and shape. Uh, if there, I'll, and I'll, once the season is done, if it may be halfway through the season, three quarters through the season, I'll knock on your door and I'll say, I, this guy's lost, okay? He's a good kid. It's not working. He doesn't listen, doesn't know where to position himself. Get rid of him, okay? And so you have to afford a coach like that because remember, you know, Torch didn't come in and Fletch is like, all right, this is how things are going to go. He basically said, please come here. And this is where we're at. Like, we just want you to fix things. And he's yeah. like, you're going to leave me alone? They're like, we will leave you alone. He's like, can I sometimes be mad at the media? They said, you can be mad at the media sometimes. <laughs> and there you That's go. But why- like, it, it's an evaluative period for him, right? Exactly. So like, he needs, exactly. to, he needs to come and evaluate the assets that they have, see maybe what can actually fit under yeah. what he's trying to do here. Obviously, and then what? What let's say doesn't fit, I think, is where we're going next, kind of in the off season, where you know you maybe look to move out some guys that maybe don't fit Tortorella's long term vision in a sense, or what he's trying to build, at least on the ice, right? Yeah, and who and who are you like? So what? What's what teams are in like your cohort group, right? In terms of like the stages of rebuilding. Yeah, like I, I'm shocked. I knew that that based on the off season, like Buffalo, Detroit, Ottawa, and New Jersey. We knew that they were going to really try to, like, real hard to be better. They were done with losing. 
Mm-hmm. And I, like New Jersey came out of nowhere. Buffalo, a little surprising. Ottawa, more of a disappointment considering the moves that they made. Uh, and then Detroit, yeah, they improved. But are the Flyers in that group? Or are they in the group with Montreal and Columbus? And you see what I'm getting at? Yeah, so, yeah. that's the tough part. The injuries so, have put us in a where, weird like place. Like you said, with, with, with Tortorella, and this is the rub with Sanheim, is that he doesn't have much time before that freaking deal locks in. So like it, it torts have to say like hey it's, it might take me three years to get to uh, get through to this guy, um you're gonna be you know you're gonna be stuck with him, uh and the only way that he'll move is if he hates playing for torts and he'll he'll wave, but um uh you know again this this is what the guy does the the, the flyers uh, expectations should have been very low uh, to begin with, and I think that. It really like the GM. We could talk about him later, but I really think that Tortorella's in this for a while, and that he 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 needs this period to evaluate, and he needs this period to uh, you know identify his like he Torts has his like he he likes guys that are willing to run through a wall for him. He loves yeah. that, and if you don't do it every night, he's gonna kind of say, "Well, you should do it every night because I, it'll make us a better team." So and again, right. all, all, all part of the process. The, it was year one. The tough, of the, the tough part of arguing with Tortorella is that he's typically right. It's not a, yeah. he's not a hundred percent right, but usually the stuff that he's being a stickler on, he's probably right about it. And yeah, uh, like the defensive habits, like those yes. the stuff he's preaching, the positioning, he, those are things that do win you games, especially if you're in a tight game or playoff hockey situations, right? Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. And Steve, let me ask you this: when you know, obviously, you have the history with Torts. This is the one thing that I've noticed with Torts, and I, I people take him very literally, and I think he is being literal, but like he evaluates things like, oh, well, we we got a long way to go, guys. Like we're super far away. We're not good, you know. Like the, we're not doing exact. That's gonna be his attitude pretty much all the time here, right? Like I don't see a point where this guy goes we're like the best team in the league. Like, well, we're great and everybody, everything's awesome. No, no, it's never going to no. happen. He'll, he'll praise individuals and individual performances, but I feel like he's always going to say we can be better. We can he's do more. He's going to be mad if, if, if they, if they, if they're up three, nothing in the second round and they lose game four, like five to one, he will be just as mad as he was when he like, you know, loses a game, uh, with a rebuilding team like you know, like the Fly is in like it's like the tenth game of the season, or even a preseason game. He's been. I mean, some of his meltdowns that we've seen were during the playoffs, where he'll he'll yell at the media because that's how competitive he is. Like every every game, he hates losing. He just hates losing, and like it's not that he hates losing because of his ego. And, and people always say like, oh, he's got such an ego. Like he really doesn't. Like he is just very confident in his leadership abilities. He's been doing it for about, what, like 30 freaking years. He's won a Stanley Cup before. He's taken, uh, you know, uh, 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 three different franchises on improbable runs. I count the Columbus one because they beat freaking Tampa, you know, in yeah. the process. Crazy. Uh, you know, he, he beat Toronto with Columbus, playing in a small market. So, again, like, I, I think that, you know, his style is old school, and people don't like that, right? That, that, that people don't get, they get offended by it. They view him as a, as a bully, you know, and, and they, they just have to understand that leadership is an art 
It's not a science. You could be a nice guy and the team does nothing for you. All right. And if the players buy in, and again, it all, all boils down to one thing, and that is the team was better this year than they were last year. You know yeah, what I mean? They, they improved technically, yeah. With I, less, and, and the with less talent. The, the roster, here's the most important part. The only changes made to the roster were young kids who were called up from Lehigh Valley. The Flies did, uh, Flies did not have a busy offseason. Mm-hmm. They, they got D'Angelo. Uh, I think and they got – yeah, did they get Braun, right? Yeah, yeah they, they already had they him brought, anyway. They brought him back, but yeah. Yeah, they brought him back because they dealt him at the deadline. So, you know, I, I, I'm i always going to be a pro towards guy. When, when the media, when people – first of all, fans are the other team. They're not supposed to like the other coach. So they can say whatever they want. Uh, local media, you know, sometimes they can feel a little intimidated by it. But then again, you want the potential or the possibility of an exciting press conference. Those yeah. things are so boring. And you, you, you sit there, you want to cut your wrists. I love but his it, press conferences. Yeah. And I never so miss like, them. And I think the the media, the, the beat writers especially, like they they know, they know within a couple of weeks, they'll know what they can and can't say. Yeah. And that sometimes the beat writers, what they'll do is, I'm not, I don't speak for all of them, but I have known enough beat writers that, that dealt with coaches like Torts, where they'll say, it's almost like, like you want to be the first one to push the right button with him. After the end of a good fight, deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Uh he doesn't play favorites, though. It's almost like a badge of honor. Like, I got Torch to answer the question I want. Because, you know, Torch, he will not answer the question you ask him. Yeah. And he'll yell at you. He might even ridicule you for asking it. Yeah. But if you could ask him, like, I really want to know, did you put Sanheim on the right side because you, you felt like he was better? If you get, like, yeah, I, I really think that, that that would be, like, yeah. you know, you might as well have a freaking parade. Like, you're to celebrate your You're absolutely right about that. Because he he'll, yeah. he'll he'll go on a thing he'll just be like that's these are stupid questions guys yeah. you know and then, and then you know he'll be like oh that's a really good question you can tell that they're like oh great you know like yeah it's like yeah it's almost like oh my god it's my lucky day like, yeah it's pretty it's pretty funny like even I got a chance to ask him a couple questions at the game in Toronto and one of the like media guys from TSN or something asked him something about the Leafs and like Sheldon Keith as the other coach and then Torch was just like well I don't even care about the other coach why would you ask me something like that and I was just sitting there kind of laughing like yeah that's Torch for you right like yeah like you just somebody yeah. out yeah yeah and I I've you know when I've been in press conferences uh and I I usually don't like asking questions because I'm I'm rarely like on deadline and I'm just there to like you know get comments about a you know prospect or like yeah. his role or usage or some shit but um that you know you 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 could tell like when they're not in the mood 
Exactly. Uh, Got to be able to like, feel the energy, basically. Or yeah, what like, in like the game you just say, right? Yeah, you just you you don't want to kiss their ass, but you don't want to also be antagonistic. And so, but again, th that again, th this is what in the end at the end of the day, right? Philly is a, Philly sports fans are very loyal. Okay, so if if a coach will win with a specific group, especially if it's a group that was homegrown or mostly homegrown, and it was a rebuild situation. You know, that is how you're going to see the change from the way that he's perceived and covered. Uh, because at the end of the day, he bounces around a lot. You know, Torch has never been the kind of coach to stay in one spot uh, and, and be like a Cooper and say, OK, well, I've had five 51 seasons out of seven years with this team. Like he 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 goes to a team that has problems. He fixes the problems and then he goes on to a new problem. And maybe that's that's what he is. What motivates him? Uh, I think so. I think this is going to be like his final. To to your point, he said this is my last coaching job. I think that's what he wants to do here. Is he's going to be like I'm going to be the one who fixed the Flyers' culture. I'm going to be the one who brought it back. To yeah, and, and you know what? That's that's a good thing. So you take the warts, right? You take the warts. You take the freaking abrasiveness, and you take the okay, you're cursing and like all this other stuff. You see, it's obviously working with the players, right, on the ice, just in terms of like yeah. this. I don't, I don't know where this the, I don't know where the idea came from that you have to be nice to get results. Like I think the know, opposite. In two words: Anna Wintour. Like people watch the Devil Wear the Devil Wears Prada. And it's like, oh my god, she was so mean. Like, dude, like look at like she was the, the like she ran Vogue. Like that's like how many people could say that? Or like um, now, there's also I'm not saying this. You could be toxic and corrupt uh, as a leader and 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 uh, be autocratic and and not receive feedback from others. But you know, a lot of Torch's assistants have gone on to success, and they all speak highly of him. Like you said, uh, he's I, very I, fair. Like even even his doghouse, it's usually a temporary one. Like if you're in his doghouse. You won't be in there long if you. Well, do. look at look at the last game. He benches fair being Sanham in the second period, and then he plays him in the third and gives him a yeah. chance to come back. Right, so he still he always gives you that chance, even if he benches you. I mean, he doesn't Frost, never he doesn't never insert was in you back house. Yeah, all benching is so years. like overrated by the by like people make such a big deal out of it. It's literally like a, it's a timeout. That's Basically. all it is. Yeah. Like so, okay, so I'll give you an example. Like why why would a player be benched? And, you know, the reason why I, and I, I focus in on this because of the kids and I have instats so I could reverse and I could slow things down and like, whoa, why not? And, and I, I pick up on that. Like I, if a, if a prospect who's 17 is the top line player on a team and he gets benched, I want to find out what the heck happened. So I'll watch literally like, uh, you know, through a, a very fine lens, the first shift to the time that they got benched. And usually I, I could guarantee you 99 times out of 100, it's always trying to do too much with the puck, right? Not utilizing linemates, thinking that you could solve all the problems by it's not really being selfish or hot dog. It's, it's just that all these guys are freaking competitive and they want to be able to fix things. And some days their timing is off and their passes are off. And so they just decide, you know what? If the passing game ain't working, I'm going to try to. And, and that is what really like now, of course, if you blow a defensive assignment, if you try to make a fancy dangle play high at the line and it leads to a two-on-one that, that results in a goal, yeah, okay. But it's always like puck possession related, poor decisions, uh, forcing things, uh, you know, uh, being uh, too, uh, I guess, jittery, not as, not as poised.
Whereas you have a puck, if you delayed for a second, you, your guy would have been open. The seam would have opened. You could have hit him with a a lead pass. Little things like that. So this it's all it's strategic and tactical. Like yeah. like it's it's a lesson learned. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. No. Totally. And I think that's well said. And um, I guess to the other side of the spectrum, strategic and tactical probably. Not his best MO, but let's talk about Chuck yeah. Fletcher a little bit. Um, <laughs> he just had a season ticket holder meeting uh, that did not go too well. I was not at it, um, but uh, I just saw the video and I, it was circulating. He got booed, right? Yeah, he got yeah. booed. Um, and then you have Steve Coatsy up there telling people to stay classy. You know, I feel mixed on it because on some hand, it's like, hey, it's these people's right to complain at this point. They've paid so much but, money. So. But at the same time, it does kind of, you know, it does kind of hurt to watch a situation where it's like, you know, like I get that people are angry. Maybe that's the time to do it. But, uh, you know, it just it just seems to add more into the chaos here where like. You know, I wish the situation was just better. That that's all I would have to say. It's not that I really care what happened, but yeah. uh it's a weird to see wow. the GM get bullied and uh, not bullied to uh, get booed and then to see that the head coach is essentially the mouthpiece for the team. Um, which is really weird. You know, usually there's always a strong GM here yeah. to talk, and now that's not really the case. It's Go ahead definitely interesting. I mean, like I think obviously it speaks to the fact that uh, the fan base has shown they really don't have a lot of faith in the GM and the organization <laughs> kind of recognizes that, obviously. So yeah. they put Tortorella there to, you know, kind of talk to the fan base about, you know, the vision and the future of the team, whereas you don't really see Fletcher addressing that as much, obviously, aside from, like, the, the trade deadline press conferences and things like that. But him getting booed, really, in general, um, in something like that, where it's a season ticket holder meeting, and just based on, you know, his tenure here and his track record, I don't really blame the season ticket holders just based on the fact that they spent so much money and obviously aren't, you know, happy with the product. So if they're going to boo, they're going to boo. Nonetheless, whether they boo or not, it's going to not going to change really what's happened or what could happen in the future. Like personally, if you look at his track record where, I mean, the team is gone, I guess, since Fletcher's been put into place. I mean, they g brought him into kind of, you know, lowest, lowest, I mean, uh, winning percentage lowest, ever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for a Flyers GM. So that just speaks for itself, right? In history, lowest winning percentage. But I'm saying they brought him in to kind of piece together the prospects and the things that Hextall did not do well. And he's kind of gone the opposite direction where whatever was good that he left over hasn't really been capitalized on. So I just think based on that, I mean, I can't really see his tenure lasting too much longer, right? Yeah, I feel that. Steve, you know, I know you know of Fletcher. I yep. don't think you. I don't think you know exactly how things have gone here, but they have degraded to a point where um, you can't even it's, trade JVR for a pick. Well, well, I mean that. That I mean, listen, and I was going to talk about that because there's before I, I touch on that, I'll, I will say this about Fletcher. Okay, the bottom line is very simple: two seasons ago, or three seasons ago, even though it was you know COVID short and then returned to play, the Flies were a cup contender. They were. They had the points percentage, the wins, the roster, the playoff success, early round playoff success of a team that you would consider to be a cup contender. And that when the Flyers made the round robin, uh, although like you know that you that was his was first season, right, Fletcher? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, first second. or second. Second. So okay. so when you when you reach that full level full season where the flyers actually had more success than i believe they had since 2012 yeah right when they beat pittsburgh in round one so 
you know, the Flyers beat, I think it was Boston, right? Didn't the Flyers beat the Bruins in the first round? Or the the, uh, the uh, 12? No, 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 no. That was oh, the, no, uh, it was... Uh, 2020. Montreal. 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 And then they, and they then went Islanders. to seven with, with the Islanders. Islanders. Yeah. Okay, so they, they I'm sorry, they, the Islanders beat, I think the Islanders beat Boston. Yeah, but the right. point I'm making is that, you know, you play a game seven technically in, in a second round, which is what the Flyers had not done in a very long time. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medella is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. That that automatic, and I was I bought into it too. I'm like, oh my god, the flies look out mm-hmm. for them. They have to be, and then we saw in the half season or the you know the 56 game season that it really was a mirage. That is on the GM because the the GM, but not necessarily that 2021 season, but 21 20 to 21 22 last season. That is on Fletcher, okay, because he he identified the problem. Uh, that, okay, we're not as good as we thought we were in this 56-game slate. Let's go. Let's make some moves. And he made the wrong moves. And yeah. so and, and the, the moves did not help the team so that he had to resort to his next trump card, which was hire a new coach. And he brings in a new coach. And still, like I said, we're, we're seeing things. But, again, at the end of the day, paying a lot of money, the team is not a playoff team. So I get the booing. I totally get it. But at the same time, you know, that he deserves a little bit of credit, a little bit of credit. I agree. For yeah. being patient with a lot of the kids. This is what I said. Yeah, being patient has- with the kids. How many how many Flies fans were frustrated? You know, Nolan Patrick, Allison, like, they're always hurt. Everyone's hurt. You know, Couturier's hurt. <laughs> Fire the medical staff. That now, well, Fletcher deserves a little bit of credit. Because he didn't flinch, that he was like, listen, if we're going to do a rebuild and Torch is okay with it, and he promises me he's going to play the kids if they earn it, then I think we have something here. And we saw that in in, in, in bits and pieces this season. But now the, the, the expectations, I think, will be higher. This can't be a seven to nine year thing. Or like, like Buffalo or Edmonton before McDavid finally uh, was able to carry them uh, to a deep run. As far as the lack of activity at the deadline, very surprising. <laughs> but I think that I'm being honest with you. My theory, and this is just a theory, I think that JVR didn't want to leave. I think that whether he's from you know because he's from the area, his family, I, like I don't think he wanted to leave. I don't think he wanted I, to leave either. That's yeah, now, I, that's not that's not surprised to me. Yeah, the I, only I, thing I is though, the only thing is though that the other thing that might be more realistic is that his price tag, even though it's 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 going to be prorated, it, it's still high. And so you saw what teams had to do to fit these bigger names in, right? JV, all we knew was like a C-level, maybe a B-level deadline acquisition because we knew it was going to be a busy deadline. And there's going to be a lot of names in play that teams are like, you know what, if I have a choice between Ryan O'Reilly and freaking JVO, I'm taking Ryan O'Reilly. Or if I have a choice yeah. between Tarasenko. So maybe that, like, the, like Fletcher might have had something and that now you look at teams like Buffalo. Like, why did, why did Buffalo go out and get Joe Greenway uh, and not get a guy like JVR, like uh, why? Didn't, yeah. um, you know, Detroit. 
they could have used a guy like JVR. You know, it takes two to tango, but again, like Unbelievable how you couldn't move him, yeah. What, what I, bottom line is simple. Bottom line, I'll wrap it up. I wouldn't have booed Fletcher. I made at him about with the draft, the 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 uh, the, the, the Ellis and Aristoline uh, and stuff, but I would I, I wouldn't boo him. I would say, you know what? Like, yeah, you made mistakes in the past, but this season, I would say Mulligan. You know what I mean? Next season, you know, yeah. because look at Trent living in Calgary. That guy has made that every year. It's it's we suck, we're great. We suck every year. Every yeah. other year, it's it's the epitome of a roller coaster ride. Well, and every time, that. and every time I write my draft report, I have to write like state of the franchise. I've been saying this guy should get fired ever since he's Rasputin. He, he you cannot not kill him. He just comes back. He's he's a, 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 and so, you know, I don't think Fletcher's going to be. I think Philly is the fan base is a lot more demanding than in Calgary, but. Um, yeah, I, I just they, they improved like uh, slightly. So, yeah, I think know, pe- people's concern is, you know, in, are we going to be in that middling area where you're not good enough to really make? Even if you do make into the playoffs, you're out in the first round, and yeah. you're not far. The process, though. the process. Yeah, no, and and that's where I like to think of it is that it's more than just picks, and it's more. It's like you literally incrementally work your way up to becoming a better organization, and you yeah. add add players along the way. I mean, I like I like Fletcher's drafting and Flair's drafting to to your point, and he's been patient with the kids. I think people are just not convinced, maybe <laughs> about um if he can be the right guy for them, just in the trade market, UFA market, negotiating and stuff like that. I don't know if they're confident. Well, we moves, we which were, makes sense, right? We were saying this, Steve. We've never seen a GM not be able to trade an asset like JVR. Like that was a first versus a lot. Like that. What are his, hit, what, what are his hits? So here, you guys are Flies fans. What are like his big hits in terms uh, of Niskanen? For you know Niskanen, what I mean? Like, so like, for example, big trade, basically. like, like, um, like the David Ryan Ellis Poyle. trade looked good on, on paper, but didn't I didn't out, like obviously. it. But like David Poyle, for example, who's stepping down in Nashville, he had in when he was with Washington and when he was with the Preds, and he was with the Preds since '97, so the first year. Um, yeah, he time. found a way to win trades and say, you know what, dude, he got Forsberg for Erat. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Insane. Or he got he got Mike Mike Ridley and Kelly Miller for freaking Bob Dane myself. That was a long time ago. Like he he rarely lost a trade, but he won a lot of trades, big ones. So what does Fletcher have? Like well, as that, Flyers fans, that okay. So that's exactly what I was. He doesn't really to, win trades. Yeah. He he, he usually gets bare minimum of what you like expect. Like even the Giroux trade, the Tippett edition was great, but like we wanted more than the 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 twenty twenty four first round pick. We wanted another high end prospect, right? Retrospectively, it's not a bad trade, but it's just like it always is. You know, minimal expectation, right? Like. Whatever your lowest and Giroux expectation had plenty is. left in the tank too. Like he had a great year. Yeah, yeah. And, and quite frankly, he could have kept Giroux, got the player and the pick. It's just everything has like an apology put onto it. Where yeah. like I didn't get you exactly what we wanted. I got and it's like okay, in isolation they're fine, but overall in a long stretch, it's like we need somebody not average. We need somebody great, and that's kind of the problem. It's like we don't want to be the team with a, with a GM who. We're we're the ones who were left in the dust. We want the GM. We're like, how the hell did he figure out how to do that? You know, we want some of those. We haven't had any of those. Like again, he. It's not that he's done everything incompetent, 
And some of the trades he's done are good, but very not rare. enough wins over a combined period. I well, think, very, of very rarely does he win a trade. Like he even could have won the Wayne Simmons trade and he shot himself in the foot there. He got a fourth and Ryan Hartman for Wayne Simmons. And you look at what Ryan Hartman's done. He just let Hartman go afterwards. He's just like every single time where he had a chance to kind of get more than expected. It just hasn't happened. It's been right, so less. the fact that the fact that you guys and I'm sure the entire fan base acknowledges this. That pretty much means your perception is reality. That means that ownership is aware of this. Yes. And that that the that everybody within the organization is aware of this. Now, the other thing you got to factor in, potentially, why it's why I it is concern, uh, concerning, is that you know, his dad was not like that. Yes. You no, know, his dad Hall had the famer. Like, like his dad he made big trades for the Leafs. A lot oh, of huge! I mean, <laughs> Cliff Fletcher. Like, if you're a Toronto, if you're a Torontonian, and you are, know about the Leafs' histories, uh, history, they the '92 and uh, '93 and '94 teams. Oh, they might as well have won the cup because, yeah. like, everyone you. If you were a Leafs fan, you could have loved like 15 guys from those teams. Wow. It's uh, all a, that's that famous call with Gretzky, right? That everybody goes back to where he got uh, yeah. that high sticking I mean, penalty. But it was just like, like the, <laughs> but the it, way Gilmore that, that, gets it anyway. Yeah, the way the team was built. Uh, and so, like, and in a way, like that, what, what the Chuck, uh, 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 Cliff Fletcher did was able to set, set the conditions for the Leafs to rebuild again with the Sundin trade. And, like, you know, so. You know, having that kind of like, I guess, legacy, uh, you know, living up to those standards not isn't easy. And I wonder why it, it and this is just my theory that he doesn't want to be like his dad. Like he's like, I'm going to do things my way and I'm going to take a more conservative approach. Like his dad would have. Now, again, I don't know what kind of relationship well, they have, you know, well, like, to, to that point. Like, I think he's tried like his aggressiveness was to go all out and get wrist aligning. Again, a player I like. He's he's actually had a good season too. But in the off season though. In the yeah, off season when the team was already like, you know, like Well, but but is that the player you go all out for? He I went know. all out he he traded assets to move ghost, you know, but then traded more assets for a guy who's gonna be a UFA and D'Angelo. It's just every that's what I mean, like every time he's paying the most. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, that he needs yeah. to pay. When he, when he had to bring in Kevin Hayes, he paid a fourth, which I kind of liked. You know, I like the aggressive nature of it. You know, he paid a fourth, got the player in here, and then signed him for max value. It's just like for the highest cut. It's just every single 
step along the way we're paying the most when it's in like a trade or a free agency. The internal negotiations, he hasn't been bad. Like signing Kateri's yeah. contract, Fairby. Like he's not completely incompetent here, but it's just we're looking for some wins. Like say what you will about Hextall and whether you liked him here or not, but when he made a trade, Flyers won that trade pretty much every single time. He's so stingy that you couldn't negotiate with him really otherwise. He's one of the only people I ever saw win a trade with Iserman, right? He got TK and Gudis for uh Coburn. For, for Coburn, right? It's a yeah. great trade for the Flyers and one where they flipped Gudis for Niskanen. If you if you think about Niskanen and TK for Coburn, I mean it's a great value. Sure. Sure. Yeah. But again, Hexall had his own problems, but Fletcher hasn't done that. And I think that's the problem is you combine that with a losing record. Frustration, I don't know you, obviously, for the well, fan base. Probably organization as well, right? So. Yeah, I mean, I think it comes down to numbers at the sheer end of the day. And how do you, like, if they're going to do this rebuild process, how do you have Chuck Fletcher sell that? Yeah, especially people? the guy who's kind of maybe put them in this predicament, you could say, uh, based off like He's where had some were, bad so. luck, but... yeah. You got to sure. be able to make your own luck. Sometimes, that division right? is. Listen, oh. here's the other. The other thing yeah, that murder is row. That that division is murder. Uh, and so although we get Bedard, the the hope and salvation I think for the Flyers would be that we're finally after almost twenty years we're finally seeing what might be the end of the Pittsburgh Washington. You know, yeah. every 50 wins every year, uh, 100 points, even though that, you know, uh, deep run playoff uh, success hasn't been uh, hasn't been uh, uh, as uh, as prevalent, I guess, as it was uh, in the early stages. But the uh, that might if the I mean, you could throw the Islanders in that mix, too, if the Islanders, Penguins and Caps are like dead. Right. And we know like we, all three weak farm systems all traded high picks, all loaded up on veterans. The Penguins just extended uh, to keep Crosby, Malkin, and, and Latang together. If this backfires, again, everything goes in cycles. If this backfires for those three teams, the Flyers are already at way ahead of them in terms of stocking up a farm system, letting kids play, letting kids be in a top four role or a top six role. So that in itself uh, and to a degree, Columbus and Montreal as well, if you want to add them in that, that that the Flyers might be the fifth, like, I guess the fifth up and coming team in the in the East behind Detroit, Ottawa, Buffalo, New Jersey, that what we saw out of Torts and, and Fletcher's group this year was promising. Who's to say that they can't do what Eisenman did and spend on maybe like two UFAs who are legit name recognition but results, uh, uh, results, um, they deliver on results. And then you might be, you know, 15 points better than you were a year ago. And then that helps Fletcher kind of say, hey, see, look, I told you. Like, well, you just, it's, it's going to take longer than we thought, but we're, we're on the way up. Yeah. So l let's uh, move into kids because I think that's going to be the brunt of the rest of this episode here. Flyers made a recent signing of Wills Molek. Uh, a 6'4", 210-pound defenseman, uh, right-handed defenseman from Bajimi State. Bajimi State, I think I'm saying that right? Sure, Bemidji. Uh, Bemidji, thank you. Um, former Flyers Joel Otto and Matt Reed uh, coming from over there. Reed um, notoriously coming over, I think at 24 years old, very similar age 
um, and came in, had a, a lot of success here, especially for a f- undrafted free agent, um, put up a really good career as a middle six forward, played a lot with Sean Couturier, had a few 20 goal seasons. So I don't know enough about Zmolek. I've seen some things. His numbers seem to be decent, um, but I think probably more to look to see if he's a uh, two-way defenseman in the sense that maybe he can play de- defensively well, uh, maybe move the puck up the ice uh, you know, with some gusto. But uh, do you know anything about him, Steve? Had a chance to uh, to watch him? Yeah, sure. So Bemidji State's a, it's it's a even though it's in Minnesota, they they, uh, they don't really play that type of a schedule, um, and so that program has always been one of the better ones. And that um, you know in their in their bracket, and he is their number one defenseman. Now his dad was a top ten pick, uh, Doug Zmolek. Uh, you know he was. Uh, uh, a Minnesota North Stars draft pick, top 10, Minnesota guy, uh, defensive defenseman, physical. I'm talking about the father now. And then he uh, we bounced around, then he had to retire early because of uh, injuries. But but Will is one of his – I think he's got like three or four sons who play Division One college hockey and uh, or had at some point. And Will is definitely more offensively gifted – and uh, skilled, I guess. I don't want to knock the dad because, you know, you have to be skilled to be a seven overall pick. But uh, in terms of, like, his role and usage, like, he's, like, the number one guy who runs the point in the power play. He's the number one guy in the penalty kill. Uh, he plays, like, you know, like 20 to 25, sometimes 27 minutes a night. Um, you know, uh, defensively very good uh, positioning. Listen, his dad uh, has taught him well. He's mature. He's poised. But but my thing with him is really offensive related. He's got, um, he's got a very, like it's weird. His shot is, is his release is lightning quick. He loves to shoot the puck and um, fit it, fit it through. So he's got a good through percentage. Uh, But the game that I watched, like it seemed like the power play ran through him uh, for the most part, at least. So I don't know though, like, you know, the right side isn't all that deep. Uh, for the flyers, right. um, at least in the, uh, in, in the farm system level. Uh, so, like, you know, you have Adder there. I think Wyatt Wiley, right? He's still with the team. He's but still there. Yeah, he's still – he's a Lehigh Valley mainstay. I don't know. And I've, I've, I've been rooting for the kid. Uh, but you got uh, you got guys like Samson. Um, so, the the right – and he could play left, the left side too. Uh, but I think that uh, Andre is another one. I think he's a left – you could play the, uh, the right side. So uh, – I don't know. I think it's more like insurance. I don't see him being uh, a guaranteed lock to go to Reading. Um, you know, the Reading or Lehigh? No, Reading. Le- I mean, like, like, like ECHL. Because, because, because yeah, because the, the AHL right now is it's a little crowded, even with the call ups. That I it seems, I think Lehigh Valley set right on defense. I mean, they yeah. they have Yiddings yeah. up there now. Um, yes. Uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, Zamula. Uh, you know, we they, thought he might make the team potentially. He's there. They did um, let uh, Hogberg out of his contract. They, okay, so uh, he's gone. So they um, did free up a spot there. And they also they're going to have a wave of guys coming in now. Guys that like you know uh, uh, we've been waiting. Like, I think Zanetti might be finally old enough to play. Well, he's always been eligible because he's a European. But uh, I don't know Andrea's uh, situation. But even still, uh, the the addition of a player like this, I think it's more like. Modern day defenseman, size, could skate, uh, okay, but has has those two way uh, abilities. Like he's not just effective in one area of the game. He's good on the penalty kill. He's good on the power play. He's good on breakouts. Uh, so 
we'll see uh like you know, he's never probably been in a, in such a competitive environment as he is now because around him he's an undrafted free agent mm-hmm. i think he's like uh is he a 99 or a 2000 99, 99. yeah yeah so he's you know he's almost gonna he's 24 if he already turned it um so he's gonna have to compete against you know second and third round picks guys who've uh, been in the organization for a while but to answer your question, he's basically a, a two-way defenseman with skill and size. And you, did you say that he could skate well? He's okay. No, I mean uh, he's he's not like a Brady Shea, where he's like you know six four and could skate like pretty well. But he's he's more like he's mobile. You know okay. what I mean? Where like he he will go not necessarily like end to end, but he can carry the puck himself through the neutral zone and get to the get to the line delay a little bit and then, you know, help set up the possession. So, um, escapability, he's pretty quick in corners. Uh, again, I I haven't seen, you know, like every single game of his, I only watched a couple, but, um, uh, yeah, he's, you know, when I saw him, usually what happens with these guys is that word spreads right now. It could be an agent. It could be like uh, the father with his NHL connections, but even with NHL connections, the, the scouts will have to go and confirm or deny. You know what I mean? And when when you watch these mature defensemen in college uh, who are juniors or seniors, and they're the number one, they're problem solvers, you say, well, this isn't the level of competition isn't all that great. Let's just give him a chance. He might flourish being in a tougher environment. Yeah. If he doesn't, yeah. You gave it a shot. You gave yeah, it a shot. Yeah, it's a low risk, high reward type thing, right? Wait and, 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 and see, they, and they, it could pay off. The Flyers, the Flyers did their due diligence. Like they, they've spoken to coaches. They've spoken to opposing coaches. They watch film. They talk to the parents. Like there's, it's a whole process. It's not like, oh, he had a good game, sign him. You know, you know what I mean? And yeah, of course. It's just not the realities. But yeah, uh, yeah I think a low risk move. Uh, but again, it just creates competition, and that's so, what you want. Sounds like a potential bottom pairing defenseman in the NHL, like kind of kind of a guy you would you'd want that can eat up like fifteen to eighteen minutes a night. Has a bit of an offensive touch, like you're saying. Yeah, like it all depends on. Well, that's therein lies the therein lies the rub with these with these kids because, uh, especially with defensemen, at least, is that when they get down to that level you know for for years they were always the number one guy on controlling the puck 25 to 27 minutes a game but now you ask them to play you know nine to 13 minutes a night and it's not because of their their skill or lack thereof it's because of just the pecking order like you you joined us we already had guys here and how do they adjust to that really right how do you adjust to that exactly how do you do you say Oh, I'm better than this guy. I want the puck. Or do you just say, you know what? I'm just freaking happy to be here. And if the coach wants me to be a defensive defenseman, I'll be a freaking defensive defenseman. And and so that that's why I think I think a lot of young defensemen go through that like transitional period where they're like, all right, what am I? What am I going to be now? Like I, I I got what I want. I'm in the NHL. Or I guess if you look at um, Smolik's case, the AHL because there's no. Undrafted free agent. There's no guarantee you're going to get an AHL contract. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, 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 you know. So, uh, what what are you going to want to see is well, I don't know where he's going to end up. Is he already with Lehigh Valley? Did he already like show up? Uh, I don't know if he's with the team that we haven't heard. Most likely, he's going to end up with Lehigh yeah, Valley. He's got I, I a, think, twenty games, and then his ELC kicks in next year. Yeah. So, uh, 
it would be pretty messed up if they give him an NHL opportunity before some of the guys that have been waiting a lot, a lot longer. Uh, but, um, you know, it, it, it could also mean that they intend on promoting guys from Lehigh Valley or they're anticipating a prospect, uh, but specifically for Lehigh Valley to make the team next year. That's so actually, that way you could, you could fill that in. You know. Well, I'm sorry to cut you off, but that's a pretty good point because Ronnie Attard is, or Ronnie Adder is actually, I think he's a 24 now. He's had a good season yeah. in Lehigh. He could be one of those names that they're thinking about. Um, yeah, and, I, I, yeah, and he's a he's a college guy too. So like yeah. with, with a big body, um, and like I said, shooting the puck is is an added uh, specialty. So maybe yeah. like they could view him as a potential. You know, he's not like. Well, I don't know how mean Adder is now because I know he's had uh, was it injuries, um, uh, but uh, you know, like I know Adder's delivered some pretty big hits. I I never saw enough of Zmola like that he delivered big hits like his father used to. Uh, but again, I, I running the power play, being on the point, uh, passing the puck, receiving the, the puck cleanly—that's the stuff you can expect out of Zmola uh, next year in Lehigh Valley if that's where he stays. Well, we'll we'll get a good look at him. So let's let's move on and let's let's get into the fun one here because this is somebody that obviously everybody wants to know about. He just finished his uh, college season with B with Boston College. Uh, he is their top player, Cutter Gauthier, Uh Finished the season, I think, sixteen goals, eighteen assists uh, in I forget the amount of games, but uh, definitely over a point per game player. Uh, led his team in points and in goals. Um, and I, I mean, obviously, it looks like a gamer, Steve. Some insights. Obviously, I think we talked about him uh, after the draft, but you know, how's he looking so far? And and well, way? transitional period for BC because Jerry Jerry York, uh, you know, stepped down, um, and so you know that whole that that's a, that's like a you know, I mean, what, what would it be? What would it be like? It's like Jack Parker leaving BU, or if. Uh, Belichick leaving the Patriots. I mean, it was a huge deal. So he steps into this uh, situation and the, the, I never had an issue with, with Gauthier, by the way. I'm just saying is like, if you would want to find something to nitpick about his draft season, it was that he was on a top line, a very potent top line with Logan Cooley and that uh, as his center and that you see what Logan Cooley's doing as a freshman in Minnesota and with Team USA that you're like, well, Logan Cooley is, is the bus driver but there was always a sense that Gauthier, it wasn't that he was a passenger. He was just being unselfish. And that when given the opportunity, and I remember play, and playing wing to boot, uh, so that if that if Gauthier could be turned into a center and he's allowed to dictate the tempo and the pace and the, 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 the style and everything that his line does, um, you know, fifth overall pick. So you'd expect that out of a kid. Um, you know, when he shows up to college, but it, he had a lot of pressure on him to live up to those expectations. And he has, I mean, he is, you say he's the best player of the BU. He's like the only player on BU. Uh, and uh, um, BC, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, I don't want to knock some of the guys they have down there. Cause they do have a couple of uh, guys that I like defensemen as well, but he is, it, 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 when, when, when other teams are wargaming BC and they're doing their, their, their prep work and their pre-scouting, they're focusing on him. And they, and they couldn't stop him, like, whether it's his size, his stick handling, his IQ, his playmaking, um, just everything that you would want out of a top five pick. So if you're a numbers type, uh, I, I'm going to assume his, his possession numbers must have been through the roof because he really, 
uh, you know, the way he skates and how nimble he is. So he could just hang on to the puck and like dudes are bouncing off him. He never seemed to get tired. He never seemed to like go through the motions. Like you got consistent efforts from him, which is a, another huge uh, feather in his cap. So Flyers fans might've been a little concerned. Like, Oh, was he a wing? Is he a center? Like what, what is he? Uh, he's a center. <laughs> he's going to be a center. And I know that it's a big problem right now with the team. The question is, like, like if if they were able to, how quickly is his transition going to be from college to the pros? Does he need a year in the AHL? Is it, could he pull a Zegris and leave college after one season? Uh, go and just maybe have one season, maybe in particular next season, where it's like half half uh, half AHL, half NHL, and then and then you know he's like a Mason McTavish or a Zegris or a. Um, Maddie Benias, you know what I mean? Where they, like they, they just step in uh, eventually, and that's it. And th they are now where you expected them to be on at the NHL level, top nine, top six, sometimes in some cases top line. But he's he's very impressive, very impressive prospect. Do you think he was worthy of that top five? Oh, spot? absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I mean, well. Look at the guys picked after him. First of all, if you can play that game, like look at the guys picked after him. Now Juracek is having a uh, one of the better under eighteen or under nineteen seasons in the AHL that I've seen. Yeah, really good. Uh, yeah, so so if you want to look at numbers just strictly and not the you know not really contextualize it, um, you know you could say well, well, Juracek had the advantage of playing against men for two years. So uh, when he comes to North America and he, and he wants, a lot of these European kids don't want to go to America, uh, North America if they want to stay in Europe and they, they like mom's home cooking or they have a girlfriend there. This guy's like, and Nemets too deserve credit. They both said, nope, we're going right to North America, we're going right to the AHL. And the AHL this year was great prospect wise because you got a lot of high picks playing in there or guys that really lit up junior. So um, that would be fair if you're a Juracek guy and not a, but as far as every other forward, I mean, you know what I mean? Like he he's doing exactly what we expected out of him. Yeah, he's got what thirty four points in thirty games. So like Yuri was saying, over a point a game, and just I think the most impressive thing is for a guy his size, he really shows that he can move out there. Like even today, yeah. um, in, in the game that was going on, I saw a clip online where he's carrying the puck up the ice and uh, creates a really good chance and gets a shot off. Uh, just with his size, he's kind of like fighting through guys almost just carrying the puck up and just showing like, even though he's a bigger guy, uh, he really carries the puck with speed and then obviously a shot, lots of velocity. So I think for, from a fly perspective, if you're a fan, I mean, what's not to love about a big guy who can really skate and shoot the puck and is a center. I think that's really what the team kinda, and a setup is looking guy, for, right? And, yeah. And be, a, and be a setup guy. So let's just say, think about like. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So many times we see these kids promoted and they have to play out of position, right? And so, like... We saw that with the, the Devil's Form system, and really to a degree with, with the Flies as well, because all those deep drafts that Hextall had eventually created a little bit of a backlog, and you had guys down in, in um, Lehigh Valley, uh, centers playing wing, wings playing uh, 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 center, uh, uh, right defenseman playing on the left side. It, it's Sometimes you just accept what was what's given to you. And sometimes coaches do that, and, and the play of dev guys, they will purposely put a kid out of his comfort zone. And see how he adapts. And if he complains, he's, he feels like he's entitled and a prima donna, that's going to impact how he's viewed within the organization. And it might even impact his play. Gautier will not be problematic. Like, if you want to say, hey, you know what? I want you to come up and be our fourth line center. He could do that. I, I think I said with you guys that when the NTDP had five on three penalty kills, he was the, as a, even though he played wing, he was the on the center top on line, the PK, right? They would have him center yeah. the five on three PK. So, I mean, look, that's that. That's all. When I saw that, I'm like, ah, he's going to be fine because uh, there's no, like, oh, well, let me try to cherry pick this stat or try to, like, you know, find out if there's a way that he's being, he's benefiting from somebody. Uh, no. He is What's a, your thoughts, Steve? I'm wondering, like, do you think he's going to sign once the season's up or do you think he'll go back to college just based on, uh, like, your, your perspective? I don't think. All right, so his again. I don't want to speak. I don't know the kid. I don't know his yeah. advisors. I don't know his his his, his father's his coaches. Anything. I don't think it's not like he's like a Boston area guy with like deep BC roots and like you know his dad went to school there and he. I, I think that yeah. I think that the purpose of going to Boston College was to grow as an individual, may, you know, set the foundation for a really good education, getting a degree, etc. Um, but also going to a known program that has churned out quality NHLers who did not spend the four, four full years there. And, you know, we're talking about guys like, like look at the BC has de developed and created. I mean, you know, uh, you go all the way back to Brian Leach and Craig Janney, and then you go up to freaking Gianta, and uh, then you go through um, uh, uh, Kevin Hayes and Chris Kreider. And, I mean, like – yeah. yeah, yeah, Johnny, uh, Johnny Gaudreau. Uh, so I think that that was part of it. I he's definitely not going to be there more than two years, though. Uh, if he has another season like this, the Flyers really have no choice. They have to almost basically strong arm the kid and say, "Listen, we'll set you up for the online courses. You could do them in the break room." <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you are going to be a flyer. Like in a lot of these kids, like you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a basically like a sales pitch. They'll bring the kid to the arena. They'll put him on in the jersey. They do this after the draft, I think. They'll put his name on the scoreboard. They'll simulate crowd noises and, like, you know, try to get him all, like... And a lot of these young kids, like, you know, with all due respect to Conky Forum in the Heights and at Plymouth, uh, you know, USA Hockey Arena, like, it's... It, there's nothing like 18,000, 19,000 plus screaming your name and wearing yeah. your jerseys in the stands. And so I think that's going to be part of it. He's definitely not going to be... If he has another year like he had this year... Next year, I mean, I think he should leave now, but, you know. You know, it, like, it's, it's really interesting about what you said about not him, him having no roots there. 
And on top of that, you throw the fact then that they're not having a great season. I don't exactly. know if that matters. He is. Well, look at Michigan. Look at Michigan with Benias and Power and Johnson. They, they all could have been in the NHL uh, yeah. last season. And they decided, nope, we want to win as a group. And I think that factors in, right? If you have a really great yeah. team like that, you might want to buy in and, and be a part of that yeah. program. That, that's not the case way. with Boston right. College, though. Boston right. College, they have some pretty good recruits coming in. I think you know, Cole Eisenman, I think, is going to BU. But uh, still, BU, BC is like about another two years off. I don't think Gauthier is going to be a part of that, though, obviously. Yeah, and it, it, I just I took a look at the rest of the league, and he is like the I think the youngest, most successful player like in that division. Uh, maybe there's one other, but he's clearly in a different class. Forward there. wise, yeah, like like Lane Hudson. Yeah, as a forward, L- Lane Hudson uh, is probably. Right. He, I mean, he, he might win the Hobie Baker, uh, but he's like a small playmaking defenseman. But as far as like the 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 NTDP forwards are usually the cream of the freshman class. Um, you know, if they, if that's where they go, uh, and you know, like you said, and when hockey East, he's clearly the, the, the rookie of the year or freshman of the year. I forgot what they give out, what they give out. Yeah. Well, it's noticeable and I can't wait to see him. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I suspect that the flyers will probably try to get him over and it's really kind of up to him whether he's willing to, but I think the flyers would be happy to pull him over here, put him in the AHL if they have to. Um, but you yeah, want him look at, look men. At- he's big. I'm sorry to interrupt you, um, but look at like Luke Evangelista. I mean, this is just a random prospect uh, reference, but Luke Evangelista, like, was the second round pick of the Preds in 2020. He played for the London Knights, so good program. He absolutely destroyed junior hockey. He's an he's an AHL rookie this year. He's like I think second or third in AHL rookie scoring, pretty much the whole season. And then the Preds, you know, they're kind of like in a similar situation like the Flyers uh, to a degree. They call him up, and he scores like big goals, and so. You know, like you, if you, if you make room, I'm sorry, you don't necessarily have to make room uh, and really shuffle like plays around to, to make that happen. I.e., you know, have Gautier make his NHL debut um, and, you know, burning the level of the uh, a year of the ELC, uh, you know, you know, obviously it's not going to happen this year, but I mean, next year you, you want to get him, just get him locked into the program. You know yeah. what I mean? You don't want to run the risk of hockey East is a physical conference, like most college hockey conferences. Um, you know, I think that I one. I, I think that one might come down to Torts, whether Torts feels he's ready or not. You I know? think Torts like, is going to love him. I think right. Torts is going to love him, and, and that's he's, what I mean. And if Torts says, "Oh, I can use this guy, and I can play him in the NHL," they're not going to be like, "Oh, no, maybe he should just stick yeah. in college hockey." They're going to be like, "Okay, if Torts can use him, and he and wants we'll to come, over, yeah. we're going to use him." Yeah, you, know? you also have to factor in that, like they, they might consider him like the heir apparent to Couturier, like like yeah, similar we play. Like we don't know what's going to happen to Couturier at this point. But too, that's but so. you see what I'm getting at, though. Like let's just say Couturier is still part of the organization. He's still like you know involved with the team. Yeah. So it's like you know uh, usually some. I mean, I'm just thinking out loud here, but like you know if Couturier has to unfortunately retire early because of his his, his health issues. That he'll stay with the team and he could be like uh, an assistant and he could help because I like the, the 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 stylistically they're very similar, you know what I mean in terms of like what like the skill set that they bring the two way acumen uh, the face offs like little things like that and and I, I think actually that that um, Gauthier might even have a head start because unlike uh, you know he didn't play a bit, he didn't play in the queue no disrespect to the queue but you know, much weaker league. Yeah, weaker league, but not just that. Is like Gautier at nineteen is on the younger end of the freshman 
class, right? So yeah. he, there are like 22-year-old freshmen in college who played three years in the USHL because they wanted to do four years of high school. And they, they it's like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go. And they know that they could play in college for four years, not worry about paying for a thing. The only difference is I don't, they won't get any money. But the, um, you know, Gautier held his own against 22, 23. Like today, you have to put those 31 to 32 points of that point per game average in context because you play older guys. Yeah. It's not 19 to 20. It's not 18 to 20 or 70 to 20. It's like 18 to like 26. Yeah. And 27 and something. No, and that, I mean, that's huge because the physicality. That's why I would like to see if, even if he plays in the AHL, fine, you're playing against men. You know, you you got to deal with that strength, the the better yeah. competition. Also, playoff run potentially for the Phantoms, so that could be good experience for him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think I think he's I think that Gautier, uh by the midway point of next season, will be an impact NHL player. He he might not be setting the world on fire. Now, the only thing that you have to uh, uh, consider that might impact that is if the Flyers win the lottery or they're drafting first, second, or third. And because they have avoided center ice, you, you have to entertain. Like, you can't just say, well, we have Gautier, so I'm not going to draft Fantilli. Like, no. No. Yes. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Or, or Bedard, for that matter. Or, yeah. or Leo Carlson, who's a center. Or Dalbert Dvorsky, who's a center. All these big-time centers that are available for the draft. So, anyway, the bottom line is, like, he had a great season. Be very happy with it. If, if, you, if they're, they're Flies fans... Who are disappointed in it? You have to state your case and say, "Well, I, well, I, I wanted this guy." Well, like I said, aside from Jiracek, this is just a year check. That that's the complaints is that people, you know, they want to trade Provorov and wish that Jiracek was here to su succeed him. That's that's the fantasy that's been going on. I mean, on. listen, Jiracek is a really good player, but you know, like, does he really? Uh, I don't know. It's a fair argument. I'm going to be honest with you. It's it's completely fair, but. At the end of the day, one's a forward and a potential number one center. The other, the other one is a defenseman, potential number one defenseman. There's no formula that says you, yeah. have, to, you have to get like the They're one both center good, beats both the one good defenseman. choices, really. So yeah. yeah, like 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 you have number one, like really good number one centers on bad teams, and you have number one defensemen on really bad teams. Like like there's no guarantee that it's going to uh, develop into success on the uh, you know at the NHL level, but. Still, it's it's a, it's a debate, and we'll be probably be having it for the next ten to fifteen years. You wanted to get to the point though, where Flyers fans like we, we like our guy, we're happy, like you know where we got him, and uh, if they watched Boston College this year, they should be saying that. So, well, I don't think a lot of them did, but they'll see him soon enough. So, well, let's talk about one more flyer, and then let's get on to the NHL draft preview because we're going pretty long here. Okay, um, I did want to talk about Emil Andre. Uh, I think he's a guy you mentioned him earlier. Uh, he's a guy who I think could be part of this, I guess, rebuild process. But I think the Flyers probably will try to bring him over in the offseason. It seems that way to me. You just look at the bodies, the the contracts, the defensemen that are locked up. Uh, and he's a guy I don't know if it's going to serve him too much more to stay over there. And they just brought over Yinning, and he's had a really good season in the AHL. So um, what do you think about Emil Andre? And you mentioned him here in the past of what he can do. Um, but I do see him being like an impact AHL player immediately if he if he comes over. Here's the, here's the bottom line with Andrea. Forget about the skill and the points, the shots, power play quarterback. That's fine. The key takeaway from his season this year was that HV71 was a, a very proud and historic organization. They got relegated a couple of years ago. 
right? Two years ago, they did not. They, they were basically the worst team in the SHL, and they got bumped down to the other. You know, imagine the NHL did that, like you know, freaking Montreal last year. Like, oh, you go to the AHL, and we're going to bring up. You know, I mean, that's how basically it would be works. crazy. Yeah, and, almost and like so, a Premier League. And so, in, Andrea uh, as one of the top like cornerstone future pieces for that organization. He went through the adversity of it's embarrassing. It was really embarrassing because HV seventy one. I think they won the title in two thousand and seventeen. So to get relegated within. No, two or three years after that, very wow. embarrassing. He was part of that 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 transition, uh, if you want to call it that. And then what happened, like about uh, last week or ten days ago, they just made the playoffs in the SHL. And so it's not only did they did they restore their, I guess, credibility. They still could have missed the playoffs, just not get relegated. But they made the playoffs. They've been very good this year. And he's basically been their number three all year long. Twenty one to twenty five minutes a game. He hits. I the knock on him has always been he's short and he's not, let's say, an explosive straight line skater. But he's a pro's pro. He's a mature kid. He plays an adult game. Listen, like like I said, that's a proud organization. They're not just going to hand those kinds of uh, those minutes to just anybody and say, ah, well, we ran we ran out of space. Uh, we 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 ran out of uh, um, we no longer have anybody to replace him. So let's just put the kid in. No, they HB seventy one had the opportunity to go out and get older veteran guys, just like in the NHL, they decided, nope, we're going to stick with this kid. And much like he did in the Ozvenskin, much like he did in the J20, he's been really one of their best plays this season. So the, the transition should happen because uh, you want to see what he could do at the NHL level. You want to see what he could do really at the HL level. Uh, but as far as his Swedish career, you know, like keep an eye on his postseason because it's, it's, it's his first like uh, you want to talk about the world juniors and I'm fine, but you know, you wear that Jersey for three, four years and your team finally makes the playoffs. You want to see how he performs under that kind of pressure, right? He's going to be logging a lot of minutes. Uh, he's going to be facing against uh faced off against the uh, top uh, uh, lines and second lines and uh, power play penalty killing, etc. So, uh, you know, that left side is loaded. Uh, well, not loaded, but it's, it's a lot of bodies there. But I think that he's got – he's one of the guys that the Fly is going to be interested in because, again, he, just development's been great. Do you think his size will be an issue transitioning to the a, to the AHL from the SHL? Nice physical. He's physical. He delivers a beautiful hip check too. So it's not like uh, – it's not like he's oh, – I don't want to go in the corners because you know, like that's what you got to worry about, size. The only If you want to like really, really like nitpick, you could say, well, like clearing guys in front of the net. Th this kid is a tank though. He's like he's like, like strikes five, for for his size for being like five eight. Yeah, he's like he's like five nine, but like like a hundred and like eighty five or ninety. He's thick, muscular yeah. kid. And again, it all it all like you could watch film on this kid. You could you could you could uh, criticize uh, you know his his shortcomings. Uh, but the, the to me the fact that he has a coach who's got a lot of pressure on him to say like. No, I'm 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 sticking with you, and he's stuck with him. He's been he's been he has his role has not really changed. The only time he goes down to the J20 level is if they need help. Like, hey, we well, need a big win. Like, you come and oh, like I think a couple of times he did that. Maybe felt last year, two years ago. Um, so yeah, I'm not I'm not saying that he's going to be the next coming of uh, you know Doug Crossman or or uh, Mark Howell or uh, you know uh, you know any guys like that. Uh, but um, you know. He's just he was a high pick, second round pick in a, in a pretty yeah. deep forward centric draft. I had him, I believe I had him as a late first round pick. 
So to get him in, the, in round two, I thought was a was pretty good value for the uh, Flyers. But again, yeah, like it's all about progression, right? Yeah, yeah they, these guys they could put up points anywhere they go because they're that skilled. But it's the, the team game, uh, handling key responsibilities, delivering in those situations. That's why you got to like a guy like Andre. That's it's good feedback. I, I guess real quick, I do want to add this one in here because I nobody really knows anything about him, but uh, Alexis Gendron. Uh, he's been scoring at a ridiculous pace. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Marty got, Gendron's son as well. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. he did get traded halfway through the season, and his production was very slow. And then that disappeared, and now he's at pretty almost a goal a game. Uh, yeah. What, what is the story? I mean, he was a very late round pick. I've seen him in uh in um training camp, and I you know it was very apparent. I'm like, this guy already has an NHL shot. Um, yeah. Yeah. What what is it with this guy? What can we expect? Okay, well, well so the, the trade to Gatineau was uh huge for him because Gatineau like it's just like any CHL team if they think that they have a shot at a Memorial Cup, it's a big money maker for them so they will trade uh, like this trade deadline in, in the Canadian Hockey League not just for the Quebec League and the Western League and also in the OHL. Everyone just it, it, arms race. So it's kind of like similar to what we saw in the NHL. Yeah. All the big boys, it was like let's get the best player from this team, this team, that team. So Gatineau is loaded, okay? And they have guys like Riley Kidney, a Canadian's a second rounder from 2021. Um, you know, the, uh, the uh, uh, I think they've won like 15 straight or 13 straight. But the Crazy. thing about the one thing, the only reason why I would like temper, uh, uh, I guess, uh, excitement uh, and maybe like is just because that team is so skilled and high-powered and deep that – He's open a lot, and he's not making a mistake though. That's where you got to give him credit. He's open a lot. It's not like necessarily that he's a wing because he's on the smaller side. It's not like uh, he's the kind of wing who is tasked with driving his line or creating. Uh, you know, he doesn't really. I mean, he'll go to the net, but there's another guy on his line that'll do that. So he's usually they know of his shot. The goalies know of his shot. The other coach knows of his shot. So they're like, just get open. And Riley Kidney is a fantastic playmaker. Uh, and so it's basically like video game type numbers. He had like, I think, four goals, a couple of uh, yeah, uh, numbers. Uh, so like, it's, yeah. So he, he does have the benefit of playing for a really good team, but you still got to finish your chances. And I like, they're a, it's, 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 he's overpowered goalies. So goalies have like beaten him. Like they've made the right read and they were anticipating the seam pass and they've beaten him to the spot. Whereas, like, he's releasing it and the goal, goalie's already set and he, he'll still power through them. Um, uh, it's just a, but again, you know, like, it doesn't really matter at this point where he was drafted. I don't care if he was a second round pick or a sixth round pick. It doesn't matter. What does matter is that he was given an opportunity and he's taken it and ran with it. Now, yeah. the question, though, is like, they essentially replaced, they replaced him. I think he's a right wing, though. Uh, they replaced him. Uh, uh, they replaced Connor McClennan because Connor McClennan was like almost like a similar player. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I still to this day don't know why this, sir, the Flyers were so willing to get rid of him because again he's like one of the top goal scorers in the WHL, or they'll be on the smaller side. Uh, but hey, if you could say hey, after the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. 
You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We, we're going to go for the other guy instead. You know, John's living up to the uh, the uh, the expectations. I mean, that can crazy. He always crazy, uh, crazy stats, right? Like with Gatineau since the trade, he has 26 goals in 25 games. So to do that at any level is impressive. Like especially yeah. for a seventh round pick too. And the other thing is too is that it, the games are meaningful because Gatineau is battling with Sherbrooke for the first place. Like Sherbrooke, Gatineau, uh, Halifax, and Quebec. Right, Halifax, Quebec in one conference. Sherbrooke and Gatineau, they are like basically tied in points. And they've been like, like I think Gatineau had like a 15-game winning streak. And then Sherbrooke was like 13-0-1. So all these um, games are meaningful. They're kind of battling for positions. It, exactly. Honestly, he, like, it's big, big stakes for him to perform. Yeah, so, so, so there's, a, there's a very good chance that you're going to see uh, Gendron in the Memorial Cup. Because, um, cool. yeah, cool. and so, so and, and you know, seventh round freaking pick. And you got and in his draft minus one season or draft plus one season, he's basically on pace for 55, 60 goals or like 55. Um, but a lot of it is, like I said, it's coming in, in, in crunch time and, in, and down the stretch. Yeah. And uh, he could be an interesting player down the line. I mean, I, I think expectations are still pretty low, but it's one of those uh, big swing type of picks. It seems like, you know, he could break out and be an, a goal scorer. In the NHL, or he could, you know, be hey, a and look at the, look at the, or go go ahead. Yeah, sorry, no, I'm sorry. Look at Daynoye. Yeah. Daynoye was literally right. a seventh round pick. You might as well literally... take those swings. Well, when he you was have them no. Right, I think so. I think Daynoye was fifth, 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 fifth round, round pick. pick. Fifth round so, pick. So, so yeah, so hair, but still, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know he was he was I think the last pick of that they had in that draft. I remember seeing him like listed at the bottom of something. But anyway, yeah. uh, he um, he. Like I said, you know, smaller guy, Quebec League. Is he benefiting from his line mates? Uh, I think he was playing in Moncton, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's like, no, he goes to the AHL, has a, has like basically like a 30-goal season or would have paced out to a 30-goal rookie season in the AHL, almost at least, so 25 goals. And then he made he already made his NHL debut. Now, now when they drafted Dane on day two in 2020, and really no one knew who the hell he was. Yeah. And you said, hey, he's going to be in the NHL playing in the freaking orange and black in exactly, you know, That's great value two and a half years. You'd be like, oh, you're crazy. It's great value, like for where they picked yeah. him and just what he's done. And he's pretty much on pace to have the record for goal scoring as a rookie in Lehigh Valley. So that's crazy yeah. if you think about that, right? Like think about all the good players who have played for the Phantom. Yeah, the and you look well. at Tyson Forrester, the first round pick from that same draft, I believe the same draft, and yeah, he's outpaced him in goals. I mean, they're both battling. Um, and and Forrester's been good too. So it's not like Forrester's like you know, right, like exactly. Himself. Like it's just it's just one of those things where like well, and this least, is it all he, goes back to what I said about competition. 
You create, it doesn't matter. Once you go to that development camp, once you go to the AHL, where you got drafted gets thrown out the window. It's all about what have you how done you for perform. Me Yeah, exactly. And how you perform it and how receptive you are to criticism, et cetera. Perfect. And what a great transition into where you were drafted. So let's get into the final segment and let's get into the NHL draft. So right now, as we speak, the Flyers, I think, are slated for the eighth uh, spot in the, um, the lottery draft. We'll see where they end up picking. Um, again, they could fall. We don't really know. Um, run tankathon as much as you want, but at this point, nobody has any idea who's going to be uh, taking at you know where in this draft, and we don't know how things will shift. So there is top ten. Um, this is obviously a very historic draft. Um, it seems to me like could be that Bedard could be the best goal scorer um, in the league at some point. I mean, look at what McDavid is doing right now. And a guy like Bedard's outpacing him. But beyond that, obviously, there's a slew of talented players. And um, I'd like to, you know, you can just give us the rundown of your top 10. But I also want to focus on, like, anybody who's rising. And I, the one thing I want to take away from this, or I, what, what I would hope, is that beyond the guys that everybody knows, you know, the Carlson, the Fantilli, the Bedard, uh, the Mitchkov, you know, if the Flyers do end up picking at 7, 8, 9, wherever... Um, I'd like people to walk away with this understanding that there are still star players available. They might not be ready, you know, year one, right? They might need time like a cutter Gautier, um, but love to hear, you know, what else is out there? Because from what I've seen, this is an extremely impressive forward crop, especially at the first half of this draft, um, at the top of this draft. I think so, one of the best is probably 2003, right? That, uh, that was like one of the most historic drafts is kind yep. of being dubbed as kind of similar to that. Mark Andre yeah. Fleury was taken. Oh, no, it was, was it Stahl? Yeah. Stahl was taken, right? First overall? Fleury went first. Stahl was like the uh, was the first forward taken. There was yeah. a lot of like drama with the trades in Florida. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, Steve, you want to give us a breakdown? Like love to hear your top 10 and uh, I guess what you think the Flyers should go for if they end up drafting, you know, kind of where they're listed. Um, and if they get lucky, you know. Yeah, well, I would say that the, the best, uh, the closest ex example to the strength of this draft is 2015. And that 2015 draft, the Flyers had a good one, okay? Uh, that they were able to get Provorov and get um, Konechny, right? And so that, and it's just, regardless of what they did after that, you 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 get those two guys, you get a number one defenseman uh, who, who proved himself to be number one defenseman at a young age, and then you know one of your better uh, point producers and a hardworking guy leads by example uh, type in Konechny. but this draft has that is has that billing, and the reason why is all these kids. And I, I, again, I'm not I'm not making this up now, without getting into anything, any little sidebar topics. It's that uh, I don't like once again how people are trying to find faults in these kids, where the reality is that there, there's really nothing. It's just a waste of time because they're also good, right? <laughs> there's no, there's no divisive prospect this year. The Mitchkov stuff was made up. The uh, last year, Brad Lambert was divisive, um, you know, to a degree. Like Noel Gunler was divisive, and and, and his draft. Like, there's always going to be one forward who's like, you know, consensus top ten, top fifteen. Well, well, what? So let's try to find something wrong with them. Good luck finding any, uh, anything wrong with these kids. And the, the great, the best. Uh, part about the world juniors is that for the first time in a very long time, not a single one of the top draft prospects who played the world juniors had the kind of tournament that you would say, Oh, 
I don't know. I remember like with Askarov and his glove hand with Ray Ferraro obsessed with the well, his glove hand. This is bad. Meanwhile, Askarov is one of the best goalies in the AHL. Uh, so again, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's just a stupid tournament. But um, uh, the, uh, on top of all that though, big picture wise, a lot of these top kids are the best players on their team. The WHL at one point this season, the, the first five top scores in the, in the WHL were all first year draft eligibles. I don't remember ever seeing that. You know, where you had you had Bedard, Benson, Chris, Crystal, uh, I think Riley Height, and I think maybe Nate Danielson or Cohen Zima. So, like, imagine that. Like, I, I really – I can't recall. And I keep both types of records, and I couldn't find that. So, it is a special draft. The only issue that uh, might arise is that because it wasn't necessarily full of high-caliber defensemen to begin with, and one of them, Cam Allen, really dropped down because he just didn't really have that good of a season. That, you know, we're seeing now defensemen kind of like being elevated. But it's like, you know what? These forwards are kind of special. And why would you, like, run the risk of going for a defenseman, especially if you have a need? Like, you could still address the defense in the later rounds. And um, so I think it might be like 2020 where we had a first round that was about 75% forward. Uh, but it's also something we haven't had in a while, which is a deep goalie draft. So there's a lot of goalies, okay? Uh, Bjarnason and Ratzlaff in the WHL. The um, uh, the kid, uh, oh my God, the, 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 slow, uh, the Czech kid uh, in the um, uh, USHL. Uh, but anyway, there's, there's uh, Augustine. There's a lot of kids. Zoravlov or Zergalov, the Russian the Russian kid. So... You know, you have maybe that instead of having, let's say, ten defensemen, you'll have uh, it's like five defensemen, maybe maybe even three goalies, which we haven't done since I think two thousand and five. Um, a lot, a lot of things to like about this draft, obviously, but as far as you know, the the um, like the overall, like what are we going to get? What are we going to look at? You're going to want to see results like two thousand and three and two thousand fifteen, where those kids just showed up. Uh, obviously the 03 class had the buffer because of the, the canceled season. Uh, whereas, you know, the 15 kids, a lot of them just showed up within a year. Alan Rantanen, Maya, forget about McDavid and Eichel, like Marna. I mean, even think about this with 2015, Dylan Strom was considered the bust out of that group because he was like a third overall pick and he's still like a Floyd of 50 point NHL. Yeah. Set. <laughs> so, so, uh, uh, you know, from a flyer standpoint, They've gone, again, a lot of wings. They have a lot of foes. A lot of the, the wings in the system have done well, so they're progressing properly. Uh, voided center ice, although they, they have plenty of center prospects uh, and, and guys who have been proven in the AHL. Um, but, you know, I, I really – I'm being honest with you, and I've tried to – I've been studying and analyzing the Flyers for a while now. I really don't – unless they win the first or second overall pick or, th or a top three pick um, – they should not like really go for need. And if they have to draft the, another wing, then you draft another wing. Um, it's just one of those things. But, you know, at the same time, you got the whole, you know, we missed out on Jared checks so or maybe now, but you run the risk of overdrafting because you need a defenseman. Yeah. And I just tend to think with a draft that's so strong at forward, it'd be their, they'd be best served I, probably to go for a forward, right? Yeah. And I, I would imagine 
they're going to yeah. look for a center. I mean, if they could, if they're going to go wing, I think they're yeah. open to it. Like you said, if it's the best player available, but their need is center for sure. Like you're, yeah. Saying. And it seems to me like there's a good crop here. Um, I, I again, I don't know too much about these guys, but like Will Smith, yeah, Brayden Yeager, uh, Dvorsky. Uh, so I'll, I'll go down. Leonard, you know what? I'll just go down. Moore. I'll because I don't, I don't, I don't remember my. I think I can remember my top ten offhand. Okay. Um. So number one Bob is definitely McKenzie's. If you want. No, 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 no. Okay. So, so I, I, number one is definitely Bedard, un, uh, yeah. you know, undisputed. Although, uh, you know, Mitchkov has definitely done, I mean, you know, come on. We can't deny what Mitchkov has done. But I understand why you want Bedard to be the lock. He's in North America. He steps right away. He steps in right away. You sell the jerseys. He packs the arena. Are those comparisons, Steve, to like, um, let's say, echelon of McDavid Matthews? Is that yes. accurate? Yes, yes, okay. yes. I think Very. it's above Matthews, to be honest. Above Matthews, yeah. yes. Well, I, yeah. I just want the confirmation. I, Obviously, we see the World Juniors and how about, the kid is. Right? I saw that he's outscoring McDavid. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, his pace, yeah. his pace is in the uh, juniors. Up. And remember that he's in the WHL every year. The WHL Which is lower scoring. Lower scoring. <laughs> Of the three major junior leagues, so um, this year <laughs> it's probably gone gone up, but um, the whole ball of wax, right? Regina is a nothing team without him. They're literally, I mean, they have talent there, which is Dalev and Tanner Howe and uh, Zvozel, uh, the Columbus uh, defenseman draft pick. But everything is about Bedard, and I, I tell you one thing: like, you know, it, I think it's a waste of time. To put together a, and I've died, I had to make one, but it's a waste of time to put together a highlight reel because everything he does is a highlight reel. Everything he does yeah. is a freaking highlight reel. It's crazy. And he has such a great, uh, he is a, a serious, just like McDavid. McDavid, you know, people almost uh, criticize him for it. Very serious. This isn't about like, oh, I want to be rich. I want to be famous. It's like, I, I just want to be the best player in the freaking game. It's and not, so in a, again, not in a cocky way because they're both you know, Bedard is a very selfless player. He's he's a yeah. team first guy. He doesn't hog the puck. Yeah, okay, he likes to shoot the puck. Listen, when you have that wrist shot, of course. Why wouldn't he's you? Not, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so let's just say I, I'm be honest when I say this. I think that the worst case scenario for Bedard is Patrick Kane. That's the worst case scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I worst I, case a hundred point no, player, it, basically. It's, oh, man, it's no. funny to hear that, but that's probably it, true. it is accurate, exactly. That's what I mean. Uh but like as far as like now, the one thing that that Bedard doesn't have is McDavid's dynamic speed. Yeah. And that adds to, you know, you know McDavid's freaking legacy. And I his... feel like his deceptiveness though makes up for just in terms of like the puck oh. handling and what he does. He reminds me of like a better version of Jack Hughes. Like he reminds me of Jack Hughes only with. No, he's he's way ahead of Hughes. But I just think some of some of the stuff he some of the stuff he does with the 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 puck man just it makes me think of Datsuk to be honest. Everything he's everything. It's crazy. I'm I'm gonna come out and I'm gonna say it just like I said it with Mitchkov that if the greatest goal scorer in NHL history is gonna be Alexander Ovechkin and Mitchkov is surpassing. Ovechkin's marks in Russia uh, and in tournaments by a pretty substantial margin, then you have to say that the potential is there for Mishkov to become the greatest goal scorer in NHL history, just like Bedard and just like with Wayne Gretzky. I'm not even going to go Sidney Crosby. I'm not even going to go uh, Connor McDavid. That Bedard, if, if, if he stays healthy, that he will, I think, do think McDavid in the very beginning, he was like, Oh, that was nice that he did that. Oh, wow, he is special. 
Uh, and, and again, he was winning hearts and Rosses very early on, but there's a different, like, it's almost like a, you know, like Wayne Gretzky, when he had the puck, it wasn't like, oh, he's going to just skate through a million people and you go. You know, something's going to happen. That's like magic, basically. Wayne Gretzky was like, oh, I'm going to just like, I'm going to go get the puck in a line change and have my back to the bench. But I'm still going to catch the other team in a, in a, in a line change and their line change. And I'm going to do a through the legs backhand pass that's going to catch my line mate streaking for a breakaway. Like that's what Bedard does. And I, and I watched Erie plenty. You know, McDavid and Strom and DeBrinket and the Radishes, like Dermot, it was all go, 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 full speed, 1,000 miles an hour. That is not Bedard. Bedard is just, he's like a ankle-breaking, calculated. He's methodical, a lot of his, his movement. I'll be honest, Brilliant he's my favorite player to watch in the, in the world right now. Yeah. Brilliant hockey mind. Brilliant hockey mind. There's no red flag. There's nothing to worry about. There's no, like, Crazy. you know, he's. He he he's, he likes to shoot the puck. So some coaches might have to tell him, and I don't want to be that coach to say, well, maybe you don't shoot the puck as much. But. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's gonna happen. Um, you have uh, uh, Steve Mitchkov at number two. I mean, yeah, I got yeah. So so Mitchkov at number two is a no brainer. He's uh, he's never left. Um, and I, I am enjoying seeing the mainstream pivot back to Mitchkov now because they had no choice. They really wanted him to fail. They wanted him to not have a good season. They wanted him to, you know, to say he. he I remember that was it the hockey news that said he has attitude problems. Oh, who cares? Oh, that's such a narrative. Like, yeah, it's it's like it's like you know his attitude is on like the greatest junior age goal scorer in Russian hockey history. Um, and so and the tournaments back it up. The league play backs it up. He dominated every league he's played in. He averaged a goal a game in almost every league he's played in. I think he has a ton of shots on net as well. Like he's just shooting the puck at a high volume, right? So. He, well, no, that, that's actually not. Oh been the no, case. okay. Well, like he'll have games where he'll have just like one or two shots and still score. Oh, like fair. Okay. that, that so a high percentage all, of shooting. Then, out of all the things that Mitchkov does, that really, in my opinion, separates uh, him from everybody else, and that includes guys on the junior level who play against guys that they could dominate. It's that no matter where he's gone. Mitchkov will always find a way to at least once a game, once a game, have an insane shot or chance that he created on his own. And that, you know, you might say, well, what about the other like 19 or 20 minutes? I get it. But he, he those games where he's only held to one or two chances are rare. He's usually good for like five to seven to eight chances. But even still, no matter when he's on the ice, Every goalie he faces, every defenseman he faces, every forward, every coach, every GM, every the opposing fans, they know that all it takes is one bounce, and it's going to end up on his stick, and he's he could do a million things with it, and to make everybody look foolish, and in the process put his team up on the scoreboard. So, you know, he never lost that touch. He didn't lose that touch in the MHL. He didn't lose that touch when he went to the VHL, and he definitely didn't lose that touch when he went to um, uh, Sochi. The knock on him was that, oh, he was with Scott and he couldn't make the team. He had a freaking preseason hyperextended uh, knee injury from the dirty hit from that third uh, Alexi Yemelin. Like, literally, his, like, like after Mitchkov established himself as a KHL regular in his draft minus one season, which, you know, think of a flyest prospect who was in Russia. If that guy scored three goals in the KHL, they'd have a parade for him. You know, Mitchkov does it in the KHL, and it's like, oh, well, uh, and his draft minus one, no less. So, you know... This kid, everywhere he goes, he just delivers. So I think that, unfortunately, we do have owners uh, in the league who will not draft the Russian player. And it's personal. 
They have their reasons. Uh, obviously, I don't think I agree with them. Um, the idea about the contract, I mean, unless you can guarantee that Adam Fantilli is going to be a 40-40 or 30-30 guy um, by 2026. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, maybe let's even take the Might as well take the risk with Mishkov in that case. Exactly. Because look at how all these top picks outside of uh, like a McDavid. Look at what Jack Hughes went through. He was called a bust. People yeah. call Jack Hughes a bust. People call Cabo Caco a bust. Lafreniere called a bust. All these top kids. Quentin Byfield a bust. It's not always instant, right? Yeah. Yeah, instant gratification. Usually not. So Jack Hughes, it's safe to say that, like as of right now, Jack Hughes is is a is an all star, right? He produces like an all star. He's fun to watch. He's the number one center on one of the best teams in the league. All right, but he is twenty now. He's now twenty two years old. Okay, he's 22 years old. It took him, you know, three years post-draft or or four seasons, whatever it's been. Yeah, four seasons post-draft to get to that point. Okay, four seasons post-draft for Mitch Korb is what? It's 2026-27 or 2025-26 when his KHL contract is up. So we've seen KHL guys come over. First of all, look at at Mikhaev. Look at uh, Barabanov. Look at Kuzmenko. Look at Kaprizov. These are all guys, you know. You, Nikita Gusev is the is the uh, is the outlier in that group, uh, but these are all guys who were in Russia until 24, 25 years old. Came over and have been really good, yeah. And came over and been really good. So there's no reason to think that Mitchkov at 22 is like, oh, how do you score a goal? Oh, is this called a puck? Like, no, he's going to be destroying the freaking KHL. Uh, the only concern that you have is is injury. But to answer your question, yes, he's my number two, uh, and. Uh, you know, the the GM that passes that that makes it. I don't think the scouts will make that call. I don't think a scouting director and his scouts will say to the GM, "We don't want you to draft Mitch Cole. We think he's a problematic. Uh, he's a problematic, uh, you know, option." It's going to either come from the GM or it's going to come from the ownership. It will not come from the scouts because the scouts' job is to do what? Watch the games and give assessments. You know, we've seen these false narratives about Mitchkov, about, oh, well, his defense, oh, he's small. Uh, that's all been debunked. So, you know, not the easiest position to be in, though, uh, for a scouting group because it's it sucks. Like, you you love this kid, but, you know, your owner hates Russians, so you don't want to draft him. Or it's like the GM's like, well, I need him here right away. Well, uh, dude, like, you, you know, you're running the risk of passing on a freaking potential Ovechkin. Um, it's a weird... So it's, situation with this with Fantilli and I assume you have Fantilli at three. Fantilli at three, fantastic year for Michigan. Hobie Baker should be should win the Hobie Baker. 
uh, if he, if not uh, him at all, uh, at least Lane Hudson. Uh, ridiculous scoring pace. He's going to be the only freshman since uh, the first freshman since, since Jack Eichel to lead the nation in scoring as a pure freshman, draft minus one. Um, he's big. He's fast. He's creative. He's smart. He's got an attitude. He's got personality. Uh, he's got a great shot. He could score in a zillion ways. He shows up to Michigan, and he's their number one center almost instantly. And that team is loaded with prospects. Um, he did this in the in the USHL for the Chicago Wolves. He was okay uh, in the first half of the uh, World Juniors, and came on like a freaking lion in the second yeah. half. So, uh, and they won. He scored a, a big goal in the big game against the U.S. So, um, I, I will not have a problem if Fantilli's the guy that teams want to pass Mitchkov. Uh, and they choose Fantilli instead. I won't have a problem with it because I get it. Uh, when we're looking at like, all right, let's knock them down to seven and ten. You know, that's where I'm like, all right, that's not being stupid. Yeah. Well, what do you think about the uh, the Leo Carlson debate? There is he somebody who could push Mitchkov down to four? That was recency bias from the World Juniors and uh, Central Scouting was stupid when they did that. Not again. I love Central Scouting; they're, they're an invaluable reference. But to rank Leo Carlson ahead of Matchmade Mitchkov. Um, I don't know. I, again, they did this last year with the Russians, so there might be some uh, something shady going on What's there. Sort of bias, yeah. Yeah, like so. Are, are you predicting a mock? Are you doing a mock draft? Or are you predicting what what they'll be like when they play in the NHL in, I mean, in three to four years? To, to your to your point, just so people have a reference here. So Mitchkov has nine goals, eleven assists, twenty points in twenty seven games in the KHL. Leo Carlson has ten goals, fifteen assists, twenty five points in forty three games in the SHL. I mean, I would make the case the KHL is a better league. Yeah, yes, defensively too. Low yes. score, it's a low scoring league, right? So it's much more difficult to produce. So when I look at that, I'm like, okay, so Mitchkov clearly out producing Carlson for yeah. their respective in the better as well. league. Exactly. Yes. So here's the bottom line: if you want to just go by stats alone, Mitchkov had the greatest. If you just focus on the and you take away the three games he was with with Scottway, one of them he didn't even play, and the other one he played like three minutes, the other one he played like two minutes. If you look at the 27 games he played with with Sochi in the KHL and the teams that he he scored against, he didn't just score against the bad teams. He scored against the good teams. Um, Magnitogorsk, one of them. Ska, another one. It's that, uh, you know, Mishkov set the record. Like, so in the history of the KHL, if you want to go all the way back to, was it 2008 or nine, he had the highest points per game average of any uh, yeah, under even higher than Ovechkin, right? Yeah, yeah. So Ovechkin was in the RSL, the, the, the Russian uh, Super League, uh, where a very low-scoring league. But still, if he played the number of games Ovechkin played, he would have the record, he meaning Mitchkov, of uh, highest points per game, highest goals by a, a Russian pre-draft player. That can't be denied just in general, so, right? So, whereas Carlson is just – Carlson is among. Like, he's among the Elias Lindholms, and he's among the Daniel Sedins, and he's among – uh, uh, who's uh, maybe not as a bad Um, maybe like a, a Marcus Nasland. Uh, I forgot the numbers exactly, but still, yeah, like he's, he's yeah, f- well, yeah, like he's he's in a group now. Carlson is a is a very interesting prospect because he's a big body. He's kind of like a cut of Goki in a way. Maybe not as an elite skater, but Carlson is like all IQ and creativity and. You know, puck possession, stick handling. He runs the power play from the uh, right half wall as a left shot. Big responsibility to give to a first-year draft eligible. Um, Arebro is actually a pretty good team this year. Uh, he's got a hand in it. He was playing a lot of minutes in the beginning, and they, they got cut down a little bit midway. But, you know, 
the thing is, if you again, we're looking at stats. A lot of his production in the beginning was on the power play. And I remember that was the knock against Bud Coles, and that was the knock against Casey Middlestat. Like, oh, he always goes in the power play. Um, so that's why I like you know, you really have to kind of shuffle things around and and contort and bend and twist to just put Mitchkov and Carlson on the same level. When Central Scouting went above and said, No, we're gonna rank them ahead. I mean, they play in the same tournament, the Ivan Holinka tournament. Mitchkov had uh, had like 18 points in five games, and Carlson had like two points in, in five games. All right. And that's just one tournament, but um, I still see the potential for him to be a number one center or a number one wing, uh, Carlson, that is. And you have to put him in that group of one of many players in this group who should become or produce at an all star level. So uh, this is like so interesting to hear. After like hearing that, I feel like Carlson belongs in this group. Yes, yes, of, yes. Kind of below Mitchkov and all them. I like this, like Will Smith group, this Braden Yeager, like. So if I, if the Flyers like for Flyers fans who are listening right like if we're drafting in that seven eight nine ten range even I don't know you know who are we looking at here I can tell you for sure the Flyers can be looking at a center and if you know the better players a winger they'll go for that but most likely they're going to be drafting a center um, who do you think the Flyers would be targeting There's a whole bunch There are four centers that well really three Smith is on the smaller side. So you could say that, you know, Smith is a sublime playmaker. We put him on a Clayton Keller, uh, you know, a little step below Jack Hughes in terms of, uh, you know, like just excitability. But in terms of like... Like a Logan you know, Cooley level type of player? Yeah, yeah. I would say like fantastic. Logan Cooley's a little bit flashier, but the thing about what I love about Smith, and I have him ranked sixth, is that, you know, he plays in a very talented line with um, uh, Bordalo, not Bordalo, what's his name? Uh, um, uh, Perot on one wing, and then on the other wing is uh, Ryan Leonard. And that like, it's clear, clear cut. As good as those two wings are, it's clear that Smith runs everything. And he, he just, watching him away from the puck is as exciting as watching him with the puck. All right. He's so smart where he positions himself. He just, like, there, I've seen him do this thing one time where he had the puck. Though he was in the neutral zone, like moving in all different directions like he always does. The puck squirts free, and he like takes one hand off the stick and extends his arm. And I think he's a right shot, so he's basically holding. He's on his forehand with his with his one, uh, one hand on his stick at the top of his stick. And he like flicked like this little saucer pass that sprung his life for a breakaway goal. Right. I'm like, oh, okay. Like that, that, like little things like that is like, okay, that's not normal. Like to basically say, like, oh, look, la di da, let me skip to the neutral zone. And oh, there's the puck. And then like, with a one arm and it overextended, you literally saucer it over the, like, that's, wow, that's so, insane talent. Sure. Yeah. I'm not going to, uh, you know, he is very talented. But again, 5'10, 100, you know, 80, 80 pounds. So he's strong, well balanced. But, you know, uh, same thing with Brayden Yeager. Now, Brayden Yeager, though, he might be listed at like, like 5'11", like 165. Uh, he just looks bigger on the ice. He looks like, he, I don't know if he has a big helmet or if, he, if he's got like low, he wears a, a lifts in his skates, but he looks like a like a six foot, six one center. And he is arguably the best or one of the best, one of the top two, two-way centers in the draft where like all the big face-offs, all the penalty killing. And he also has an elite shot. So he could score goals. Uh, uh, I think... 
uh, he set the record. Uh, Theo Fleury had the, had the franchise, Moose Jaw franchise record for goals by a 16-year-old, which was in the you know mid to late 80s, and Jaeger broke that record. So he could score goals. Not too shabby. <laughs> but what I love about him really is his effort away from the puck and his positional play. So he's more like a Jonathan Taves. Um, and then the other side of that, you got uh, the two centers with size. Dalibor Dvorsky, you might remember him from Slovakia in the World Juniors. Uh, like I've said, he might as well be a third defenseman. He is so dedicated, um, and I'm not. This isn't. That does not mean that he can't score because he goes to the Swedish J20 and he averages two and a half points a game. So, but in terms of like, I don't know if you guys remember, they were playing uh, either Team USA or they were playing. Uh, was it Finland or Sweden? I think it was Finland, where he's controlling. I think it was Finland. He's controlling the puck in the on the right half wall for the power play, the second power play unit. Uh, and he he looked up at the clock with like 10 seconds left. I love that. The fact that he literally was controlling the puck and looked up at the clock and then went through his his, his, his execution and they scored a goal. And again, not using the World Juniors as an example, but just something that I noticed that on the top power play unit for Slovakia, he wasn't on it. He was on the second unit with younger people and they had and they were better than the top unit with uh, with uh, Hanzek and uh, uh, who's the other guy? Um, I forgot. Nemets and everything. That's so, impressive too, right? Yeah. With that so first Dvors unit. Dvorsky is, is, is six foot 200, but six two, uh, thick frame, muscular, dedicated. Um, my There's one guy that I think might be perfect for the Flyers. And, you know, we never really... How long did Braden Shen play for the Flyers? I mean, I know he was traded. Was, uh, was it it was like Probably three, like four seasons. Okay, so he ended up having a, a very successful career even after he left Philadelphia. And that I know that I think I was on a Flyers-centric podcast um, about three or four years ago, and I guess they had some internal debate on the the Braden Shen trade. And if they were uh, Nate Danielson is a kid who plays in the same program, Brandon Weekings, uh, big kid. He's uh, it was a high Bantam pick, so he's he's he has the uh, reputation. But Brandon's not a very deep team, and much like the situation with Crystal, a uh, Crystal in Kelowna, and with Bedard in uh, Regina, um, that he is basically running the the offense for them, and he is he is incredibly skilled, but he's also physical, uh, great effort, long reach, good size. So, you know, you want to move Gautier to wing, you got that potential line of a Forster, Danielson, Gautier. I mean, you got three six foot two types who could stick, handle, pass, and shoot, and skate. Um, well, not Forster. to deal with, skate. for sure. Yeah. There's one guy we did forget to mention, though, and that's my number five. Uh, and that's, he's not a center, but he plays like one. That's Zach Benson. Um, you know, this kid, uh, he's played with Bedard before, and he's like, yeah, I don't need you. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm good. And he, any other draft year without Bedard, he'd probably be in the conversation for number one overall with Fantilli, with Carlson, with Mitch Cobb. And he's going to hit 100 points as a first-year draft eligible with the um, uh, with the Winnipeg Ice and the WHL. And it, the, the thing about him is his toughness. So he's only about 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, but he loves to hit. Uh, this, this, the skill is way off the charts, okay? You're not going to hit 100 points in the dub. Uh excuse me, without being insanely skilled. So, you know, that fire, that competitiveness, that like, you know, um, clutch gene that he has. The, the thing I love too the most really about uh, 
Benson is that you know Winnipeg is a very deep team. The ice, unlike the other teams I mentioned, that he didn't have to be the number one player on there. They had Matt Savoy and Connor, yeah, Connor, Savoy Connor, exactly and Connor Geeky. Those are first round picks. They have Carson Lambos. He's a first round pick. They have um, uh, who am I forgetting? Uh, well, just really just have a really good team in general. But he's been their MVP hands down. And Which Savoy is- was. I mean, that's pretty impressive because Savoy, like you're saying, has already been drafted and you have Geeky there as well. So just yeah, for, Geeky, for him well, to Geeky be that Savoy, good, Benson is just crazy. Yeah, Geeky and Savoy uh, Geeky and Savoy both had a slow first halves and Benson basically carried the offense. I mean, you know, so I just went through, uh, like, was it about nine forwards? And that yeah. includes Bedard and Mitch Korb. These are This is that group. Like I said, if you could get um, a, a Braden Shen type or a Shogaturier type, um, that's a, a building center. block. That's a building block for sure. Yeah, and, and, and again, like you know, it, it just it it it's one of those situations where these kids are mature, yeah. so they're not going to take a while to develop. A lot of in some cases, I think they're already all developed. We might I, actually see. Yeah, go ahead. I'm wondering, Steve. Yeah, like what was your thoughts on uh, Andrew Cristal? Because I know he, um, I've seen him on rankings, kind of just like all over the place, like. In some people's top 10, some people have him around like 20, 15 range. What, where did you have him actually? I, I moved him up, so he was not my preseason. I only, I've only done two lists a preseason and a midseason. Okay, my preseason, he was off it, uh, and uh, it was based on like kind of like chicken with a head, head, head cut off type, uh, you know, uh, yeah, you know, necessarily like not having a whole lot of like uh, uh basically like having tunnel vision. And so the uh, Ivan Holinka rolls around and he has a great tournament. I'm like, gosh, I guess, you know, I'm going to have to keep an eye on him now because he really was fantastic. And then to go to Kelowna, who stinks, uh, and then to, to, to produce almost like to be neck and neck, uh, in in spurts with Bedard, uh, albeit he's like a smaller guy too. I'm like, all right, well, let me go and research it. I go back. I research it again. And although he's putting up all these points, he's showing some, you know, minor flaws in his game, uh, really just like liking to shoot the puck. Uh, although he's a wing, uh, you know, you, you say, well, he's just sort of there to score goals. Uh, a lot of selfish decisions uh, with the puck. And so I was like, all right, eh, let me let me put him in the bottom half of the first round. And then he got hurt. And then he came back from the injury and and like really has played well, like perfect hockey with or without the points on the board. But the reason why he shot up everywhere was the points. Yeah, that, exactly. you know, that No one was really doing a deep analysis on his game. Central scouting comes out. They, they don't have him ranked very high. Uh, and so people are like, oh, they're nuts. They're not, they make mistakes. Um, but for me, I saw flaws. I still see flaws, but you can't deny the production and the shot and some of his, the aspects of his skill set. So I split the difference and I put him at 15. I said, you know what? This guy has the potential to be a great player. Uh, he, he, he produces, he's got great attitude. Uh, you know, he, he's, uh, the basically carrying the offense for a really mediocre team. So I'm going to reward him for that. And that's why I just split the, the difference and put him at 15. Could you see him rise potentially? Do you think it, well, he won't be involved in any type of deep playoff run. Whereas Benson, um, will, okay. And Jaeger yeah. will. Yeah. Uh, Cause he's, I mean, he's on Kelowna. Isn't that great? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like it all depends on. A lot of factors. The the one thing that we haven't talked about as far as like is like the defense. Yeah. Is initially, like I said, there were like three or four. Now there's like seven to nine. And I don't know if that's because scouts want a draft to be more balanced or they want some of those top end 
you know, second tier foes to maybe slip down a little bit because historic history says teams will always draft defensemen in the top uh, 10, usually almost like 99% of the time. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No so, uh, in that case, if we see like defensemen like Ryan ba- Baca because of his maturity and playing against men, uh, Simashev because of his size and his skill and playing against men uh, a little bit as well this season. That that will knock a guy like Crystal a uh, Crystal down, or it might knock Benson down. I really don't know, like 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 what NHL team scouting departments are thinking when it comes to Benson versus Crystal, uh, or really uh, Riley Height. You depending on any of those WHL guys in there, but again, it's it's it just speaks to the depth of the draft. Yeah, I just. Yeah, sorry, I was gonna say, Steve. Sorry to interrupt you, but I was gonna say, like no, you just laying it out here and like you know, bringing all these players up, it just shows that, like, there's so many guys that are very talented in this top half, I think. I mean, look at it this way. If if Crystal does fall, the, yeah. the, the, the like, he is going to be top five by season's end as a first-year draft eligible. That means his 17, 18-year-old season. He's going to be top five in points per game. And, and like, that, you're going to get that in the middle of the first round, potentially even late first round. Crazy in terms of talent, yeah. Exactly. So that's a risk that you take. That is a, a that is a if your team uh, creates a draft list that is um, focusing on offense and skill, he is a best player available. He'll he'll be at at, at probably maybe even like you know uh, you could say like ten eleven. I, I can't put him in the top five. I can't I can't put him ahead of Benson Fair, because yeah. you know Benson literally is like. I mean, there's really nothing. He's, he's outplaying he's, guys that have already been drafted, really, like you said. Yeah. I think I think Benson's a perfect specimen, except for his size. Whereas Crystal, you could find a couple things yeah. that he needs to work on. That's intriguing. I mean, at least for Benson, like, I think maybe the Flyers might key in on him if they're around that area. Him or, or Jaeger, just based off kind of what you're saying. I, I think those two would probably be of interest to them. And what if Hexel was if Hexel was GM, they're drafting Jaeger because he went to he's a Brandon Wee King. Uh, but <laughs> I love it. Yeah, but um, no, it's 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 a listen. Flyers fans who are, who follow the draft and track prospects, especially this twenty twenty three group, they they're probably already set on their favorites. Okay, and so just like that, that drives the narrative because most people, when you you know when you have a blog or a podcast and all you do is focus on your own NHL team, um, and you know you can't think about the draft in October. You really can't, you shouldn't think about it in November, but like December, like, all right, well, we're out of it. Let me think about it. Uh, what what I, I try to advise people to do is like, if you can just watch the top five kids play, like just one game or like YouTube highlights, uh, because 
the narratives always shift and, and people, because they're so busy covering the NHL teams, they'll say, well, oh, well, I'll, I'll trust this guy. And I'm like, hence this podcast, but I'm like, oh, I'll trust this guy because of what he said. But um, the one thing that I, I'll say about the uh, you know, finding fault and having favorites if you are going to be stubborn as, a, let's say, a Flyers fan, then, then let's say you like Jaeger, but you don't like Benson. Um, you, you, I hope you'd give good reasons why instead of just saying, I don't like this guy. And, you know, oh, I don't like the way he looks. So he hasn't done well in like the last two games. Um, because it really is like I, I, what, I waste more time trying to convince people that the guy that they draft is pretty good than actually like reporting on it. I feel like it, like around <laughs> draft time. Yeah, there's always like Steve. Please help us. What happened? Why Why do we draft? Like Mason Laurie with the Bruins, Chinakov with Columbus. Um, you know, it's always like, you know, Gauthier with the Flyers. There's always going to be, a, you have to explain, like, look at the, the San Jose trade. The Sharks fans yeah. hated every single prospect. Well, what do you think about their play? Well, I don't know, but this guy says they're not good. I mean, I should, come on. You know, like, clearly Mike Greer is not like, you know, the GM of the Sharks. Who are the four worst prospects that this team has? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Let's take them. Or the, I'm sure the scouting department didn't do that or didn't help out with yeah. that. Like, you know, yeah. Clearly, like, they do their due diligence. So, um, you know, if the Flyers, if they decide to draft a defenseman, they're going to be, like, four guys in a group, okay? And it all depends on what kind of defenseman. So, I'll, I'll ask you guys. Vasily, if you could draft a defenseman to help the Flyers down the road... What kind of defenseman do you want? You want a physical type? You want a power play quarterback? Like, what, what do you want? Uh, they need the power play offensive type, I would say. Okay, you read your turn. Uh, I'd say two-way guy who can play with Provorov. Okay, so if, we, if we're going for pure skill alone, there's really only two guys, and that's Goliath, the Russian, uh, who's fantastic. Not big, but, but skilled. And then Sandin Palika, the, the Swedish kid, same thing. Um, there's a, a, a couple of defensemen who are so skilled. You could get them in round two and three, but remember the flies don't have a, a second, don't have a second round pick this year. Uh. So you have to entertain the idea that they might say, you know what, Vasily, let's say if they agree with you and they consider that power play quarterback that with D'Angelo, you know, he's just a, a, a temporary and that Cam York, yeah, he'll be there one day. We want to focus him, um, give him more diverse role. Like strictly offense, you go with Guliyev or you go with Palika. If they draft either of those guys at like six, seven, eight, nine, I'm gonna I'm gonna come out and say that night it's a need pick, but it's a need pick that makes sense because these guys are skilled. If you want the mature, poised safety net with potential for offense, that's where you go with either Simashev, the big Russian kid, or you go with Ryan Barker, who's really, I mean, underrated. I want to say he's underrated. I just don't think people um, who see his name uh, really appreciate how advanced he is. That he was not in my uh, my uh, preseason top thirty-two, but to, to go to the Swedish elite league, uh, the uh, the Swiss elite league, and play for a good team in Cloton and play top four minutes and power play their quarterback and look good in the process, like that that means a lot to me. So I think you know, Ryan Bacher is a kid. If there's going to be any defenseman who goes in the top ten. I think it's going to be Reinbacher first. Uh, but, you know, those, you know, and then as a sleeper guy, you know, Barry Colts, there's this Tyson Force, uh, the, the Tyson uh, Forster connection is, is Bo Aiki. And I've talked about him. I had a podcast about him uh, where he's, I call him in a way like a potential Shea Weber 
or Ryan McDonough. Like, that's the kind of player that he is. Now, Weber was a second-round pick. McDonough was a mid-first-round pick. Um, so, you know, if you want to say, ah, we'll, we'll let Aiky slip a little bit. But he's a right shot, uh, you know, physical, beautiful skate, a beautiful shot. I mean, uh, I, I, I don't know why I'm so partial to him, but, you know, I put him in my first round. A lot of people haven't. Um, but he might be a dog horse for the flies, but there's no way he's going top 10. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's going to probably be like uh, an option if they somehow get an extra pick. So, you know, th there are a lot of guys we could talk about uh, in, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, guys that, um, you know, we could talk about Ryan Leonard. I mean, Torts would uh, love a guy like Ryan Leonard. I don't know. He's probably going to be uh, like three or four years away, but he, he, you got a high volume score. He's Will Smith's line mate and he scores in bunches. He's, he hits maybe one of the most violent, uh, high-scoring wings we've seen in a while, um, but uh, you know that the the name, all the names I mentioned, I think I, I, I think we reached like the 90 percent solution. One of those players I mentioned will be a flyer. Uh, <laughs> what about based on? Uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead, please. No, based, based on, on like like the lottery and the fact that they can't fall so low and where they, they are in the standings now. Um, if they go on a winning streak, wouldn't it be freaking crazy if the flyers go on a winning streak. And I don't Jamie know. Look, if you look at their uh, like who they're going to play coming up, they probably won't. But who knows? No, I know. Right? But, but let's just say happened. hypothetically they do. Like JVR is like scoring hat tricks. You're like, oh ah. my god, <laughs> that would be the worst. So one more guy that's interested me. I, I do want to wrap it up here. We're getting close to to three hours at least on the recording. Oh um, my god, <laughs> yeah, uh, Edward Saleh. I believe. Yeah, Chalet. I mean, Chalet. Uh, I've been watching him playing in, in, for a pretty good team in the, uh, well, mediocre team, but intense competition in the Czech Republic. Uh, this guy produces everywhere. He is a uh, similar, I'd say, to like Lucas Raymond. Okay. Uh, very, very uh, uh, skilled hands, beautiful shot, um, you know, aggressive. He creates his own chances. He's stuck with that team. His production is similar to Nachas. And Heedle and Zadina, etc. I was just, I was in the just about to ask you if you if he reminds you of Nachas. Just looking Kulik. at him, seventeen yeah, years old, 6'1", 168 pounds. This just to me, just on a complete surface level, this seems like the type of guy who's gonna rise after getting drafted. Uh yeah. Hold on, I gotta, I gotta, I'm gonna power up real quick because of my. It's all we good. Go. We've been going for a while. Uh, uh, yeah, I think um, – I'm sorry, I asked again because I was in the middle of uh, – No, it's all good. Uh, he just seems like a prime guy just with his his age, the fact that he's 17, he's 6'1", uh, 168 pounds. I just have like flashes in my head of when I saw footage of like Elias Pettersson in his draft year. And and I remember the only reason I wasn't interested in him was because he was thin. He was like, 160 pounds, yeah, 155 yeah. pounds, whatever it was. And, yeah. and I, I can't help but think back to like the highlights I saw of him. I was like, they were incredible. And then obviously he just filled out a little bit. And then now, you know, the rest is history. But I look at a guy like this and I'm like, this might be one of those guys where you're like, wow. Like, yeah, it's overlooked a bit, but it ends up being, a I don't know that kind of. just everything you're saying. That's kind of what but it here's seems the thing. To like, yeah. And I, I agree with what you're saying, and it, but this isn't a normal draft year. I know. So like, so, if, so, <laughs> so you can make a players. case. You can make a case. But Chalet being 15 and not 10, you can make, also make a case of being five. Just because there's so 15. many good players that you could compare him to, right? That could be ahead of that kind of, Listen, listen, we're allowed, we as a sport, hockey, as fans, we're allowed to get a draft like this every freaking 10, 7 to oh, 10 yeah. The NFL draft, it's like, it seems like two out of every four, great draft, deep draft, quarterback draft, your linebacker draft. 
this we don't we don't get this very often. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, so, and on at the very top, we got and Bedard. Like, so let me say, so let me say this. Right now, the the Flyers fan base consensus is that this team lacks high end talent. I can't even mention the amount of times that I hear that these not no offense, guys, nonsense shit that people just repeat to themselves and whatever. But who's a like, are you saying at this point that anybody that the Flyers essentially take within this range, you know, barring them winning the the uh, uh, lottery draft, we should be walking away happy. And that one of these guys is a high end piece, at least in the caliber of Cutter Gautier, where we can say, hey, we have Gautier, we have this other guy. And here here's two pieces of a top line right here. high end, technically. Put it this way. All right. They could they could go off the board, i.e. the consensus board. They could draft a guy that a lot of people have in the in the twenties and thirties, and that guy will still have like first line potential, not top wow. six potential, first line potential. That's crazy. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like Brock Besser, like Travis Konechny, late in twenty fifteen. Right. That makes you think like a team like St. Louis has three first round picks. How like. How insane it is for them on their rebuild. Right? Well, yeah, base, and, huh? and they already have yeah, some pretty good prospects in place to begin with. But the the again, like this is the only thing that I would be a little upset about if I'm a Flies fan is not having the second round pick because yeah, there will be I agree. that. To me, the drop off will happen. Like when we start saying, "Oh my God, they got him," the drop off is going to happen probably like like middle of of round two. But listen, like Sorelli, Kaprizov, these guys in 2015 were, were drafted late outside of the top, uh, you know, two rounds. And they are fantastic NHL plays. Obviously, Kaprizov on the highest end of that. So, you know, the thing is, that though, the Flyers have a lot of picks. They have two thirds, thirds right? Two yeah. fourths and two, two, fourths and two, two sixths, picks. I think, right? Two I, so, yeah. yeah, they can move up. I, so in theory, in theory, they could trade the two thirds for a second, the two fourths for a third. And the two and six just move were, it, move it up, basically. Keep moving up, and and so what, oh, you don't have a seventh. You know what I mean? You, oh, you don't have a six and a seventh. Uh, so uh, I know there was like I, I'd be mad at Fletcher too about not having a second round when you're rebuilding, but like they, they have nine picks, yeah, so they can be flexible and do something if they really needed to, if, yeah. or if there's a guy in the second round that they really want to move up to grab, let's say, right? Listen, right? I've been doing this since 2015. There's there's only been I think like my two seasons. Where Flyers fans were not like, please talk to me about the draft. Like, you know, you guys have been Pro Bro was a high pick. Um, you know, Sandheim was a was a was a high pick. So it's like I hate keeps saying this, but listen, this draft is really freaking special. It really it, I'm not saying it's strong. I'm saying it's borderline historic. Yeah. And a chance to be historic. So uh that's gonna add more pressure to the kids though. Because if you draft a guy like Danielson at number eight and you pass on Crystal and he turns out to be Braden Point, like, like look, I'm a Ranger fan. They they botched 2003. They drafted Hugh Jessamine ahead yeah, of like, the only a whole wing of the Hall of Fame. The only so, team to not walk away with a star player that I first know, round. And the, the Blues drafted, uh, what was his name? Uh, Bell. Uh, was it Sean Bell or uh, Brandon Mark, Bell? Mark Bell, I think. No, no, not oh, Mark Bell. He was oh, a, Mark I, think Bell. It, I think it was Brandon. It was Sean, Sean Bell. or Brandon? I can't remember S-H-A-W-N. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. But anyway, that was it. Like, yeah, everybody else was like, Corey Perry, Getzlab, Richards, yeah. Carter, like, you know. Um, <laughs> so, uh you know, it would be nice to have an extra first round pick considering where the flies on the standings, but 
and also take the pressure away from that that first round pick, the first kid that they select. Yeah. Uh, but listen, Gauthier's in the same boat too. Uh, so you got basically like two uh, years back to back of drafting, uh, you know, a top ten pick. And um, if it's a forward, yay, more the merrier. Awesome. All right, let's cut it here. Like I said, we almost hit three hours here. Um, yep. Another great one. Steve, we're going to have you back on probably like after or maybe right around the draft. We can get – but hopefully hopefully we can talk about results. That would be more fun maybe. Uh, yeah. Talk about who Whatever. was actually taken and, and all that stuff. But, Steve, what are you working on? What can our uh, audience, uh, you know – you know, what can they follow along uh, with? So if you go to my sub stack, I do, I do prospect daily highlights. I roll up, you know, the, 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 the full day in Europe and North America on not, not every team's prospect because sometimes they just don't have a good game, but I, I usually release it, um, you know, five to seven days a week. Um, I'm doing my draft profiles, but of course the, the draft report is, I already started working on it now. So, you know, podcast, uh, once every couple of weeks, it'll increase with the uh, as we find out more teams drop out of the race. Uh, follow me on Twitter at the Draft Analyst. Uh, YouTube channel is Prospect Film Room, uh, and uh, go to my Substack, DraftAnalyst.substack.com. And uh, if you want to pay for it, by my guest, but there's also free content on there. Like Mitch Kov's draft profile is free. My rankings are free. Uh, so you know, subscribe uh, free, pay either way. But it's I think you're gonna be. Uh, satisfied a lot of good information i got projects i'm working on they're almost done uh that uh will be released soon and um you know it's just it's going to add to the it's it's, a, it's just a great year to, to cover the draft it's in it's in nashville too yeah so uh perfect you know, storm for you steve yeah well i ain't going anywhere I'll, I'll go downtown maybe have a beer after everything is done but uh because i you know, i got a report from everything uh everything from my office but the you know it's it's i know i've said this before but it's a good year to stink and it's so a, it is a good year to think. It's one thing I keep saying to Flyers fans. I was like, look, if we were healthy, we wouldn't even be in the conversation for yeah, any of these top So to picks. be in this top 10 and the situation is a good thing, obviously, for the organization where they're at and, and their development and the rebuild in general, right? Yeah. Yeah. Middle, middle of the road is even worse. Uh, Vasily, anything you want to add? Ah, uh, no, just awesome episode and great, you know, to get Steve on, get his insight on all the prospects. And like usual, I mean, working on articles and things like that. So keep a, an eye out on Flyers Nitty Gritty and, you know, check out all the other great writers uh, stuff as well, because they do an awesome job. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. Thank you both again, Steve. Thank you so much for joining us again and doing another one of these long sessions. They're awesome. Uh, thank you again to our audience. Our numbers for our last episode were uh, the highest we've ever had for um, a podcast. Probably around everybody freaking out over the trade deadline, but we yeah. really appreciate it. Um, it was it was awesome to see. We gained a bunch of subscribers and whatnot. So thank you all so much. Again, a reminder to please like, subscribe, share, comment, do all of that, and please um, rate our podcast audio versions on Spotify and iTunes. It definitely helps us. We can leave us a five star. Obviously, um, that would be the biggest help. Again, we love you so much. Thank you for listening, and remember, always stay pretty.
After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.